Hey there, guys and gals, geeks and gamers. You're tuned in to the Nerd of Godcast, that place on the Venn diagram of life where Christ culture and nerd culture find sweet, sweet two-player co-op. Hello, 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 and welcome to the Nerd of Godcast, that place where we come together to learn all about God, geeks, game stuff, and all the fun things that make you smile, put a spring in your step, and a song in your heart. Uh, you are listening to episode 10. That's right, we are in the double digits. Yeah. Uh, congratulations uh, to the Nerd of Godcast crew for uh, doing this little thing. You know, I remember when we when we started 10 episodes ago, and no one thought that it was going to last. They just said, <laughs> just a passing fad, this God thing, this geek thing, and... <laughs> Yet here we are, 10 episodes later. I just want to give a big shout out, uh, honestly, uh, not only to our, our crew here, but also to our Nerd of God squad, those of you guys that are listening uh, at home, at school, in the car, uh, during church. Take your headphones out, man. Somebody's preaching. Uh, whatever it might be, uh, thank you for sticking with us. If you're new to the Nerd of God cast, thank you so much for tuning in. If it's your first episode, uh, you've only got nine more to catch up on. So uh, flip it back, go back plus to episode one, one, plus the one shots. Uh, who are we kidding? One shots don't really count. Hey. Uh, <laughs> uh, if get connected with us. We uh, we're we're so glad to have you in in our listening family. But we'd love to uh, chat with you and get to know you a little bit better. You can find us online. We have plenty of social media outlets. We spend a lot of time on Twitter and Facebook. Also on Instagram. You can find us at Nerd of Godcast. You can email us at nerdofgodcast at gmail.com or you can visit us on our blog nerdofgodcast.com lots of info, photos, articles and devotions for you to be a part of and if you enjoy what you hear and you want to be part of the blessing, check us out on Patreon. You can link to that from nerdofgodcast.com. It's your way that you can help support what it is that we're doing, reaching out to the nerd community. And uh, it takes just a little bit, but if everybody chips in, then uh, we can do great things together. So thanks so much for listening. That's the first step. We appreciate you. Please tell a friend that the Nerd of Godcast is the place to be. We release every Tuesday, and we are so thankful that you are here to be with us. So let me take this opportunity and introduce the rest of the Nerd of Godcast crew to you. With me, as always, is producer Steve-O. Mama say, mama say, mama kusa. Everybody. <laughs> I don't know if it was Michael Jackson or the Holy Ghost. What just happened there? Woo! <laughs> Does anyone have the gift of interpretation? Uh, Steven, what's going on, buddy? Not much. Not not much, not at all? Uh, not much, not at all. This is a busy season for you? Sort of, kind of. It's just good to have a day to relax. It is nice. When 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 does that come? <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> I don't know. I'll let you know when I find it. Yeah, very, very good. Uh, round and around the horn here, we have the lovely Tori Line. Hello. Hello. <laughs> What's up, Buttercup? Um, I'm just tired. Oh, I've been uh, avoiding my responsibilities by playing lots of Animal Crossing. That's Lots of great. Yeah, I mean, I do cool. eventually get the work done. Now, are you like, going back? Is this original, like Animal Crossing: New Leaf or Happy Home Designer? Yes, both of them. Yes. How, what is is Amiibo Party? Is that an Animal Crossing theme? Oh my game? goodness! Let me. Oh, it's a, an adorable game, and it just makes you want to play Animal Crossing. So, like, I played it with my boyfriend and my seven-year-old sister, and I played Animal Crossing while I played Amiibo Festival because it was all just, oh, yay, Animal Crossing. But is Amiibo Festival basically Animal it's, Crossing Mario Party? Pretty much. But there, there are no mini-games. It's, like, it's, it's really, on paper, it's exceedingly boring. But while you're playing, you're like, oh, this is great. I love everyone. This is it's, charming. Yeah, it's delightful. Well, on paper, 
<laughs> you're pretty spectacular. So well, thanks. M- moving around to uh, player Wait, four. What about in person? In person? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in person, you are my favorite amiibo. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Uh, as I was saying, player four, the big man himself, Quentin Gregory Neff. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. What's up, Governor? Uh, not much. Just, you know, listen to Adele. Uh, listening to Adele. I, I went to a, a Christmas party, my friend's Christmas party, and we did a gift exchange, and I wound up with an Adele CD in exchange for a Sharknado on DVD. Whoa. So I think, so I, think I made out like I a band did well. <laughs> did, did they hand it to you and say, dude, you're getting Adele? <laughs> uh, no, don't the, please don't encourage me. <laughs> took it from an old lady, so I don't think she was very happy at all. Oh, old lady. Here's Adele. Well, we've got a, we got a lot going on. Uh, this is ten episodes in, so I want to just real quick uh, quiz you guys on uh, something from the past ten episodes. Tell me so far what has your favorite episode been of of the ten? And you might not remember the number; you might just remember the topic. Steven remembers all the numbers because he listens to our back catalog uh, pretty faithfully. Well, that and I obsessively. I, that and I have a very good memory. I yeah. actually think I'm the only one who doesn't like listen to us. You don't listen to us. I don't. I mean, like I was there. Thanks for the support. I don't know. Like I was <laughs> there. I don't. Oh. Tori does not own a photo album. <laughs> she doesn't care anything. I, Memories are, are just things to block from uh, future goals that for That is not true She has ripped all. the rearview mirror out of her car. I, I refer to Tori as the Johnny Depp of the Nerd <laughs> God crew because he doesn't watch his own movies. Tori doesn't listen to her own podcast. That makes sense. So what's your favorite episode, Neff, or is there something that has stuck out to you over the past? This is our 10-episode retrospective. It's like a clip show. Well, especially from the beginning, I liked episode two. Episode two is kind of the episode two Version 2. Episode 2, version 2. Oh, uh, yeah. Refresh our memory. What was the topic of episode 2? I believe... I Ooh. believe... Children are future. I believe I can fly. It was sacrifice. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Yep. It, was, it was a good one. I will tell you this. Uh, when, I, when I designed the cover art for our SoundCloud page, I think that's the only place you can actually see the unique cover art for each episode. That was my favorite cover art that we did for any episode. My favorite cover art is episode eight. Was episode oh the Doctor Octopus one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 The Ocho, the Ocho, the Ocho. That I was had, really cool. I properly enjoyed the game one. I think it was, was episode that five. Four? Was that five? Yeah, that was, a, that was a blast. Yeah. My number two my, episode. My, mine's a tie, and it's five because I feel like that was the most fun. That but my a, favorite episode, great. like uh, discussion wise, what we talked about was episode four, that which was, was the, the girl power. No, that was episode three. Was episode four was the uh, drowning in the mainstream. Drowning one. in the mainstream. Ooh, that's a good one. Uh, my favorite episode, uh, episode 14. It's awesome. Uh, you guys haven't heard it yet, but your kids are going to love it. Your kids are going to love it. <laughs> uh, really good stuff. All right, well, this is episode 10. We're in double digits now, so uh, we are professionals at this. And, uh, and now I can go back and listen to them. That's right. No. <laughs> professionals. That's right. So you, you can binge listen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did have one listener, someone uh, posted on, on Facebook, and they, they tagged us in it on the Nerd of God cast. Uh, one of our listeners uh, said they were going back over the weekend and just listening to all of our episodes. So <laughs> uh, this is a shout out to my, my main man, Zach, uh, from the West Coast of Florida. Thank you, Zach, for binge listening uh, and, and not being sick of us. <laughs> Hope we can still be friends. Uh, well, here is uh, here's our time where we're going to get into the show. We've got a lot to cover tonight, a lot, a lot to cover tonight. And since I don't want to be here recording till 4 o'clock in the morning, we're going to move right into it. So without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, all the news that you can use, it's Neff News. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Neff News. My name is Neff. 
Today's news is brought to you by Rockwell Extra Bold Font. Don't just be bold, be extra bold. <laughs> now here is your news in nerd culture this week. In movie news, J.J. Abrams has said in an interview this week that Kylo Ren's costume for Star Wars The Force Awakens which was originally supposed to be the chrome stormtrooper armor now worn by the character Captain Phasma. Many were shocked by this news. Others were more shocked that Captain Phasma is a woman. I mean, of course you're a girl stormtrooper. You're just reeking a feminine beauty. <laughs> oh my goodness. If that joke missed, it was a stormtrooper joke, so. <laughs> yes! That was- yes! Way to, way to make a comeback now. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me gather myself. Continue. That's great. In comic book news, the French comic book series Samurai is coming back for another run in a fifth volume. The former Marvel comic series is said to bring more clues to the main character Takeo's family's mistress. Mysteri- the, fa- the family's mistress. <laughs> it's a very, it's a very risque it's an adult comedy. It is French. Wee wee. Continue. No, no, no. Continue. <laughs> Keep going. We're keeping that. Oh, goodness gracious. <laughs> Takeo's family's mysterious past, as well as the origins of his mysterious tattoo. On another note, I just decided to start a band called Mysterious Tattoo. <laughs> we are a J-Metal classical dubstep trap band, and all we sing out about is the wonders of ink. <laughs> and, and all your lyrics are in French. Exactly. Can, you, can you give us oui. a quick, what, what that would sound like? We bop. Oh, very good. <laughs> Bravo. Uh, I moved to French tears. <laughs> I'm, I'm miming applause over here. <laughs> what, um, Cue the accordion. I'm, I'm a pretty big comic book fan, but I don't think I've ever heard of Samurai. Oh, apparently it's in such good demand that they actually, did, I guess they decided to bring it back. Oh, oh that's my favorite. And, uh, you, uh, really? No. Oh. <laughs> Excuse me, but you, I love you've got Samurai. <laughs> you've got to read the original French version because the Americans just mess up the translation. Oh, absolutely. Just got to have what the subtitles. Well, it's a comic book. So it's the uh, the Jerry Lewis autobiography. Is what it is. <laughs> it's, it's he's right. he's huge over there. Oh, lady, lady, Laven. It's samurai. Sorry, samurai. Continue. In video game news, mm. in a last moment change, mm. EA Sports has decided to put Conor McGregor on the cover of the new UFC 2 fighting game alongside Ronda Rousey. Now, I wouldn't usually put this on Neff News. But did you guys see the fight last night? Like, McGregor knocked Aldo out one punch in 13 seconds. If there's a feature where I can do that or kick Ronda Rousey in the chin for the win, it will be just another game where the beta testers rule online play. That was the least nerdiest thing said on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not sure if to give, give you the crickets or to, I mean, it was... Okay. I don't know what that means. And this has been Nev News. <laughs> Have a nerdy today and a blessed tomorrow. Okay. The stormtrooper joke made up for that last yeah, one. Yeah, I think that it was, was good. I should have led with that one you, and then you, ended with the stormtrooper Yeah, you, you preloaded joke. pretty well. Uh, all I got from the end was that you wanted to kick a girl in the chin. I'm not sure. Uh, we are going to go into a brand new segment on the show that sort of saw its genesis in episode 9A. <laughs> We're going to take you to the place where dreams are made, to the uh, Imagination Factory, to La La Land, to Hollywood. 
It's time to go with producer Steve-O to the trailer park. Steven? All right, so this week uh, we're going to be discussing X-Men Age of Apocalypse. So this is a segment where you take us into like new trailers that have come out. Exactly. And what are you going to do? Review it? Uh, dissect it? Report on it? I'm going to give you my thoughts. Okay. All right. So the X-Men Age... Uh, it's not Age of Apocalypse. It's just Apocalypse. I maybe I guess it was called Age of Apocalypse. Uh, it was the com- the comic books was uh, they they did a storyline called Age of Apocalypse, but I think they just made the movie Apocalypse because they didn't want to be confused with Age of Ultron. Probably too much aging going on. Maybe uh, especially if you see Hugh Jackman, oh, which well, we didn't. You do not see Hugh Jackman in this trailer at all, and I, I wonder why. Uh, these superhero movies are leaving out characters that you assume are going to be in there, or even like, or even like Apocalypse and Batman v Superman. You know that Aquaman and Wolverine are going to be in it, but they show nothing about it in the trailer. So this trailer is as being vague enough to let you know that Apocalypse is here and he's probably the most powerful mutant there is. It made me a little uncomfortable when he is talking Apocalypse. That is, and he says, "I've been called a lot of names. I've been called Krishna." He says another name that I can't remember, Yahweh and so on and so forth. That made me very uncomfortable as a Christian because I don't like people assuming my God's name. Uh, not trying to throw that out there as like a weird thing. And they do another thing in the trailer where he says he has the four horsemen and somebody says, oh, he got that from the Bible. And then this other person says, oh, the Bible probably got it from him. So two yeah, I, don't, I don't like to think that my God looks like Ivan Ooze either. Well, wait a <laughs> step on my joke. Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. The entire internet thinks, yeah. That's my biggest issue with so far with Apocalypse is that Apocalypse looks like Ivan Ooze. So yeah. I can I will not be able to take him seriously without thinking of him fighting the Power Rangers. Yeah, and Apocalypse <laughs> is, a, is a very menacing character in the comic books. And he just doesn't look that menacing in this movie. I mean, they're going to have to do something pretty intense to uh, to put him over as a dangerous villain. And he's powerful, and from what I can see, the parts of it where he looks most powerful seem to be in somebody's dream, because Professor X is walking, and he's been paralyzed already. Yeah, keep in mind, Professor X was walking during the entire last movie because apparently he took a pill. That's true. Strange. And, and also, uh, they're, I, I don't know if they're just deciding to forget the uh, the original movies, even though they've acknowledged that they exist in the, in the, especially in the past movie, but there's a lot of characters that you see that uh, shouldn't be alive. I don't think uh, I want to say you see Angel, but I might be mistaken. I didn't get that great. Oh, of a it's look definitely on. Archangel. Okay, I th- I thought so. X Men is actually like one of my all time favorite like superhero stuff, but mm-hmm. like there were so many movies and I was like completely not caught up at all that I was just like, all right, well, I guess I'll just watch them all at some point. This is this is my thing with the X Men movies. Is it to me? This is the third reboot of the X Men movies, and they they're still trying to maintain that it's part of the same continuity. But I don't. But I don't believe that it is because if you remember, Jubilee made a cameo in the first X Men movie. She was just one of the background characters. If you go back and watch uh, when Professor X is teaching and Wolverine first walks in, you see jubilee distinctly in the background they were trying to establish oh here's this minor character uh the same thing do you remember in x-men 2 when storm meets nightcrawler for the first time and that's what i was gonna say was nightcrawler is a part of their team do you remember when wolverine set cyclops free 
from being captive in X-Men Origins Wolverine. And yes. now Cyclops is part of the X-Men movie. I didn't watch uh, that. <laughs> you know, there, and, and there, but there's so many different inconsistencies. You know, how old is Jean Grey? Because remember when Professor X went to her house when she was a child and she was lifting cars? When Professor X and Magneto uh, went were to friends. her house and they were friends and yes. he was walking. And th- just a lot of different inconsistencies all within the same movie universe. Yes. I think that's why I stopped like watching because I had no idea what they were like what was happening yeah. and I was like I love continuity as much as the next guy and I'm not I was, I was really confused and, and why did and Liv Schreiber see. grow his hair out all that long and uh, you know forget who his brother was yeah. between X-Men Origins and X-Men 1 exactly and and, and I I like these X-Men movies but it, I get what they did with the last one I would have much rather them had just been like we're having these original actors in here as like a tribute as an homage to the original ones but it's a different universe well, and, and, I, and I think that they tried to do that when they said oh by the way look Famke Jansen's back and you know look so it's now it's an alternate universe but they never really pulled the trigger and said yes it's an alternate universe and even if they did how does that explain how Jubilee was in class in the early 2000s because the first X-Men movie came out in what 2000? 2001 maybe maybe 2000 Late 90s, but it took place in the early 2000s it took place a few years after when it was actually released so Jubilee is a high school student at that time, but now she's a high school student in the 80s also. So there's some inconsistency. Also, why were these characters from the 60s, why do they look exactly the same 20 years later? I mean, it's a comic book movie, so they look exactly the same in the comics as well. But lots of different things like that uh, between their origins and the timelines, and it becomes very, very convoluted and confusing. Not unlike the X-Men comic books. Yes. (laughs) So Um, I I, I am still kind of excited for it because I, I do like what they did with First Class and with Days of Future Past. Uh, so I, I'm in, I'm excited for how they're telling the story. Although, if this doesn't do great, and if Batman v Superman doesn't do great, I th- I think Marvel's going to have a really hard time keeping the superhero movie a lot movies alive. No, see, I don't know. I I would I would almost disagree with you because Marvel. I think has established itself uh, foundationally aside from the DC, aside from even the non-Marvel Cinematic Universe Marvel movies, a lot of the X-Men, and we I don't think that we're in danger of seeing the Fantastic Four anytime soon again. No. Thank well, goodness. So, we might see them new again. <laughs> possibly. But I, I think that the Marvel movies don't really have to move with the ebb and the flow uh, of the other comic book movies that exist out there. Uh, DC still has to has to prove that it can do it. And with the last trailer, and we talked about this on episode 9A, I think that Marvel uh, the Marvel might have a run for its money with Batman versus Superman. Yeah. Uh, Civil War looks solid. Uh, mm-hmm. it'll, it'll remain to be seen whether it's too busy and too complicated, mm-hmm. which a lot mm-hmm. of people had criticisms about uh, Age of Ultron. Mm. Uh, but uh, so far, Age of Apocalypse... Just not really. Uh, it didn't. It didn't wow me. The thing that kind of upset me was that I got more excited for the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles sequel than X Men Apocalypse. Well, dude, Rocksteady and Bebop. That's Rock all I'm Steady saying. Rocksteady and Bebop. Rocksteady and Bebop, me. which which looked far more terrifying than Apocalypse. Yes, and they looked far. Oh, yeah. They looked far less <laughs> like a Power Ranger villain. Indeed, ironically. Yes. Uh, very cool. So, uh, how many? Uh, how many? Uh, Steve-O Beards out of five does uh, does the movie trailer get? I give it three and a half just because I trust Brian so, Singer. But... So three, three and a goatee. <laughs> Go three. Three and a goatee. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, we'll see how, how it comes out. When does that movie uh, release, Steven? 
I believe it's next summer. I'm not 100% sure on the day. I want to say it's June or July. <sighs> so much going on next year. Uh, it's almost almost intimidating. Not as much as this year was, though. <laughs> yeah, well, a lot came out this yeah, year. Yeah, Ant-Man, Age of Ultron. And Star Wars. Well, Star Wars hasn't come out yet. Oh, I know. I just feel bad for the Alvin and the, Chip- Alvin and the Chipmunk sequel that's coming out on Friday because it's going to be a slaughterhouse. Oh, it's coming out this Friday? Yeah. Yes. Go, go I, I, I really Wars. didn't care enough to even know. I'm really surprised that they didn't just move it. Well, Star Wars is PG-13, so there's a lot of people that want to bring their kids to a movie that they're not going to take them to Star Wars because maybe it's a little... Who am I kidding? Everybody's going to be yeah. at Star Wars. Yeah. Including <laughs> us. We'll be at Star Wars this weekend. Woo! So, very, very good. Well, we're going to move on to our next segment. Thank you, Steve-O, for taking us to the trailer park. Nobody nobody does trailer park quite like you. Thanks. We're going to play uh, We're going to play a quick game. This is a segment of Versus Mode Edition. Uh, I have handed you guys each some cards, and this is a game that we're going to play. I, I picked it up when I was on vacation uh, at the comic shop. Uh, in a, just a moment, I'll tell you what to do with the cards in front of you. But this is a game called Super Fight, and uh, maybe you've heard a little bit about it. Just it, it's really blowing up real big right now, and this will be our first time playing it on the uh, on the podcast, and the first time really playing it together. So uh, what we're going to do is, before you turn your cards over, we're going to pick a player to go first. So I, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of one of the X Men movies, X Men One, X Men United, uh, X Men Last Stand, X- Wolverine, uh, Ooh, Wolverine, Days of Future Past, X Two. X2, All right, so United. he has X, X2 United, Stephen. The Wolverine. The Wolverine. Ooh, Wait, very no, nice. That's what I wanted. The, no, you wanted Wolverine Origins or the Wolverine? Wolverine or- Origins, yeah. I okay. like that one. That was uh, I was, I was uh, actually thinking first class. So oh, wow. uh, we're going to go ahead and give it to Neff because he is the uh, the closest. And then we'll give mm-hmm. it to Stephen because I forgot that the Wolverine was even a movie. So uh, Neff and Stephen, you guys are going to be first on this, uh, this edition of Versus Mode. You have three white cards in front of you. Pick up the uh, three white cards and you'll see that each of those cards are uh, some kind of a character, a person, a thing. Uh, you are going to choose what character you're going to be in this fight. Uh, when you're done, just put the other cards down. Got it? All right. Now, uh, your character is going to be modified by a circumstance, an item, a condition, something, and you'll find that on the black card. So pick up one of the black, uh, pick up your three black cards, and you guys can pick which one of those uh, circumstances, which one of those characteristics are going to apply to your character. Taking a look on there. You got it, and when you're done, just put the other two cards down. So now you should have one black card and one white card in your hand. You're feeling good? You're comfortable with this? Yep. All right, fantastic. And now I'm going to add an additional random qualifier to your character. You don't know what it's going to be, but this, you do not get to choose what it's going to be, is going to affect your character also. And Tori will be handing that to you. Fantastic. One for each of you. So now your character is the person on the white card affected by the two pieces of information on the black card. So at this time, uh, Neff, could you please introduce your character to the super fight? And, and the things? Are just... uh, everything about it. All right. I got Sherlock Holmes. Okay. And there's ten of them. Ten Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> and they're armed with a super glue fire hose. Okay. Here. Sherlock Holmes. Ten, help us all. A, 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 ten Sherlock Holmeses with uh, a super glue fire hose. Uh, Steven. I don't know what this game is supposed to end up happening, but I feel very <laughs> inadequate for it now. <laughs> I am a pirate. Okay. Ark. <laughs> who has a beard full of bees. Okay. Oh my goodness. I'm sorry, a beard a beard made of bees. Of course. And 
he can summon anything from the hardware store. Oh, <laughs> fantastic. Okay, so uh, now you guys are going to fight with each other, so I'm going to give you guys a minute. Not in real life. Oh, sorry. I'm going to give you guys a minute to, uh, to gather your thought, and then uh, argue as to why your character would win this fight. Tori and I are going to be the judges. Go. Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Not Robert Downey Jr. All right, so make your first attack, Neff. All right, well, I'm going to combine all the Sherlock Holmeses, so that includes Robert Downey Jr. and, Sher- and uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock Holmes. And that means he's going to be good at fighting, and he's going to be super smart. And there's ten of him. So, I mean, that's ten times the smart and ten times the fight. So what are you doing? What, what am I doing? Yeah, man, do something. Attack the pirate with the beard bee beard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think first he would use the super glue fire hose to make sure the bees don't go off the beard. So you're going straight with super glue to the face. Super glue to the face. All right, Steven, respond. Well, as he is gearing up his super glue fire hose, I'm going to summon a welding machine and weld his fire hose lids shut. Ooh, fire Ooh. hose. See, but Sherlock Holmes thinks... And ten steps ahead, Robert Downey Jr. style, and he saw that coming. So he put, so one of his other guys learned how to do it real quick, how to undo that. How do you undo so that, Neff? I don't know. Sherlock Holmes does though. <laughs> 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 they have ten of them. I'm sure one of them can learn how to do it real quick. It's all about the important part. The important parts. <laughs> <You> just what? <laughs> Just learning how to undo whatever Steven did to my fire hose. Okay, so he's still got a, a super glue fire hose. Steven, what's your move? Well, because he's a pirate, he inducts parlay. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so he can go and try to talk to all the Holmeses. He's like, what's up, Holmes? <laughs> You're grounded. But that's when I'm all sorry. the Holmes go, they're more like guidelines. <laughs> so you decline to acquiesce to his no, request. No, no, no. You know what? No, 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 no. No. I accept. They accept his request to get on the inside, you know, to be, you know, getting good terms with him. Because he's a pirate, he's not so smart. Sherlock Holmes is smart, so he gets in and he makes him think that he's doing it, and then he betrays him. Hmm. How so? He's cool like that. How does he betray him? Well, I mean, eight of them go along with you, <laughs> <laughs> and then they just they say, "Yeah, we'll help out," and then they just surround you and kick you a lot. <laughs> How can they kick me a lot if, since my beard was never affected by the fire hose that I welded shut, the bees are stinging all of the Sherlock Holmeses in the eyes? Is it possible, why, why that, is it possible that Sherlock shut? Holmes has a bee allergy? Yes, it is. I don't know. I don't... In this version, he is. I said it. <laughs> since he did not. You don't get to control his character. Yes, but if he does, he also ha- he also knows how to make an antidote out of whatever is there, Since so. he's busy doing that, I get the buzz saws and I chop all of your heads off. Okay. So, Tori. We uh, super glued them shut so they okay. can't work. <laughs> ding, ding. All right. Back to your corners, girls. This mustn't, this mustn't register on an emotional level. All right. So, we have a, a bee-bearded pirate. With uh, with the, the gold card at the hardware store, disaster. fighting against uh, a, a flock of Sherlock Holmeses <laughs> with a super glue. A herd of Sherlock's. Oh, and that's when that's when uh, what's the what's the sidekick? Uh, uh, sidekick Watson. Watson. Doctor Watson. Doctor Watson comes in. He is not a and sidekick. He just starts beating up the pirate with his cane. No. I have an entire <laughs> flock of pirates. Well, I have ten Sherlock Holmes. There's got to be ten Watsons out there somewhere. Oh. <laughs> there's, only sure there's only For five. For every two Sherlock's, there's one Watson. And one of them's Emma. 
So, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. pirate backs off, and he's like, "I'll take it." <laughs> Stephen <laughs> surrenders. I don't surrender. Elementary, my dear Watson. All right, Tori, uh, who are you compelled to believe in? <laughs> oh my gosh, um, I don't even. Uh... If anybody has the ability to to create that seed, please, <laughs> please do it. That's Tori's drawing for tonight. Yes, Tori. All right, please. Tori, what what is your uh, what's your vote? I don't... How did it end? It was I won. Ne- that's what happened. Because you, I chopped their heads off. That's no, there, right. There's a no, but there were two Sherlock Holmes. There's a, there only eight a, a plume of dust, yeah. and as the dust settles, Tori looks and sees who is still standing. Um, it's pro- it's probably at least one Sherlock Holmes. No, oh, so. The nod goes to 10 Sherlock Holmeses with the super glue. Congratulations, Beebeard, you are dead. Oh, Beebeard the pirate. Boom, 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 boom. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so Steven, your guy is out. uh, And you are out of the super fight. Dead man, tell no tales. Sherlock Holmes, you remain to fight in round two. With the same powers? With your your single same guy. You stay stay in effect. And round two goes to... Tori. Now, Tori, you're going to pick up your cards. You're going to do the same thing. Pick one white card and then pick one black card. And then I will hand you a secondary black card that will determine who you are. <laughs> okay. And here's your other card. Tori, introduce yourself to us, please. <laughs> okay. I am, I am a pterodactyl in a berserker rage that explodes if I stop moving. Oh, no. <laughs> Bring it. <laughs> All right, Sherlock Holmes. I'll use my extensive knowledge of pterodactyls. <laughs> would Sherlock Holmes know about pterodactyls? Were dinosaurs a big known thing back then? He's smart. He would know. We're doing modern Sherlock Holmes. When I were doing the Benedict Cumberbatch, Sherlock Holmes. Okay, so. What does he know about pterodactyls that will give him the edge? He knows all he needs to know. Like what? <laughs> that like, the pee is silent. He knows when they sleep and when they don't sleep. What is he, Santa Claus? <laughs> what are you doing? Like... Does he know if they've been bad or good, too? <laughs> He's just cool like that. <laughs> all right, so pterodactyl, your move. He knows all about you, so throw a surprise at him. I'm in a berserker rage, and you're a small English man, so I just kind of attack you with all of my Jurassic... Uh, anger. <laughs> Actually, I'm ten small Englishmen, and I have a super glue fire hose, which I will use to glue you down to the ground so you explode. And I explode, and now all of you are dead. So no, one of my one of my Sherlock no, Holmes is running away. You can't keep using that that thing. <laughs> you you use it on me. That's it. That's your one thing. So wait, do we no not get? Case, you know, is away. it not a quick revive? <laughs> <laughs> well, you gotta remember if you're there's no phoenix down. Yeah. There's no Push fairy. Next to respawn. <laughs> if you're yeah, still if you're still continuing, you had one left after me. Uh, so I had two left. Let's just say he's still ten Sherlock Holmeses. Mm-hmm. All right, so you have uh, effectively glued her to the ground, and she has exploded. You're all dead. You're all dead. So Stephen, uh, help us to so decide, decide who wins by decision. Kamikaze. <laughs> <laughs> A queen and country. <laughs> Will you let me answer? <laughs> <laughs> it was a pterodactyl. A pterodactyl Two! wins. What a biased answer! Right. Biased. She what? made me. Lo- she chose to have me lose because of her answer. <laughs> okay. I'm just. I don't want you to use. I had one Sherlock Holmes run away and survive against Tony. <laughs> That's such a lame. Well, when I have ten, I can work with. <laughs> So we have an... Oh, my goodness. My cards are wonderful. 
You know what? I was going to pick a different one, but I think I'm going to. Ooh, gosh. <laughs> because I know who I have to fight against. <laughs> Sherlock falls off a building. Uh, all right. I'm, I'm sorry. I have to go with this one, but I wish I, I, wish I didn't have to. Okay. Um, I am fighting against a pterodactyle. In a berserker rage. In a berserker rage. Who will explode if, if it stops. <laughs> and I am Darth Vader. What? Oh. <laughs> I am three stories tall. Whoa! <laughs> and I shoot acid. Whoa! This is like, this is like a friggin' Godzilla <laughs> film. <laughs> you cheated. It was oh, gonna be Darth. No, I did. It was gonna be Darth Vader or Barney. <laughs> oh, you should have did Barney. I should have picked Barney. But either did one would have been pretty funny. Equally as menacing. Yeah, equally as. You. Come here, hug me, pterodactyl oh, friend. The pterodactyl dun, dun, tries to cover dun, its ears with its you, wings I and I stops flying. It explodes immediately. All right. Do I even try? So Darth Vader breathes heavily. And, <laughs> and has diabetes. Looks, <laughs> looks, looks menacingly at the pterodactyl, challenging it. I have you now. So, uh, all right. Give me a sec. Sherlock Holmes would know what to do with ten of them. Shut, shut up. You, Sherlock Holmes is up. dead. You're dead. He all was of exploded. You dead. Is he dead? We'll find out in season three. Shut up. <laughs> So pterodactyl flies at your face, and in his, in my, my berserker rage, unhooks whatever it is that's keeping me breathing. Um, yes, that's what happens. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. Uh, the <laughs> <laughs> you mean attempts to unhook whatever it was that was keeping me breathing? Because before it does, I raise my hand and suspend you in midair using the force. From about three city blocks away. Right there, you go. Yeah, nice and GDP. safe. Nice and safe. Well, you've got to you've got to use the uh, the size and relativity to the force. As you stop and explode, you hey, fall to the ground. It matters not about the size. And I shoot acid at the charred remains of the Sherlock Holmes, <laughs> just for good measure. And alas, effectively melting their super glue hose <laughs> amongst the rubble and, and amongst the, the ash and the smoke, a single bee remains. <laughs> <laughs> the, bee, the bee pulls up a hook. <laughs> I should have avenged you! I should have avenged you, my master! If you strike me down, I'll be more powerful! <laughs> All right, okay. We'll just, we'll skip it. We'll call it a tie. Great job, guys, on the super uh, fight. I hope you guys enjoyed this game. There was no tie. You, you won. Destroyed me, I did, but you know what? There's nothing you can do against a three-story no, tall Darth Vader that shoots acid. There was nothing. Hello, there was dark side. Nothing. Nothing yeah. I can do. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> uh, fun stuff, fun stuff. Um, we'll, we'll take a look real quick. This kind of reminds me that with our competitions of randomness, uh, that tonight uh, we are finishing the last edition of our, our set of first round competitions for the best thing ever, 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 ever. And uh, tonight we have, we have reached the final round. Uh, best thing ever is where we've been challenging uh, two different fictional characters from different universes to come together. We've uh, sort of argued out a little bit about who we think would win, and we've turned it over to the Nerd of God squad, the uh, nerd community, to vote and decide who they think would come out ahead. And this, in our last round of the, uh, the first rung of competitors, we have. From Transformers Generation 1, the Constructicons Devastator. 
And uh, Devastator will be fighting against the one and only Iron Giant. So, here we go. What do you guys think? What, give me your, your first impressions. Devastator versus Iron Giant. Oh, Devastator. I'm sorry, Devastator. Just, I don't even have to know. Mine's Devastator. Just because he's got a just tough name? Just because he's got a scary name. What do you think, Neffy? Iron Giant. Why? Just to be difficult? Be Why not? <laughs> well, in Iron Giant's defense, I guess, he can, like, Come he's back kind together. of invincible-ish. He does. He blows so he, up and he then blows just kind of and just like magnetizes back together. It's, like it's, it's in no Vin Diesel's deal. contract that if he plays a <laughs> <Exactly>. fictitious character, <laughs> that he can't die. He can regenerate at all at all times. Uh, the deleted scene from the Iron Giant. He was dancing to Michael Jackson there Jackson Five song. Oh, okay. Uh, at the end. Uh, yeah. So okay. like Devastate now. Devastator's difficult. pretty tough. I, I, yeah, I, I mentioned it, sure. I think a couple episodes ago. I just played Transformers Devastation and uh, man, Devastator is is pretty boss, uh, but. Uh, yeah, my personal thought is, as much as I like Devastator, man, that Iron Giant is is pretty ballin'. I mean, yeah. he, he thinks he's Superman. So what yeah. you gonna do with exactly, that? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Whenever it transformed into like the the evil Iron Giant part, it, it kind of like had like these three like uh, uh, war or was it War of the Worlds type looking uh, weapons like rays that were just yeah. shooting out of it, like exploding submarine. Like it had like a nuclear blast look whenever it destroyed like a submarine. Out in the middle of the ocean. It's almost like we don't quite know the extent of the Iron Giant. Yeah, we don't even like, know. That might not even been the, ex- the know, full man. extent where, of its powers. Where is he and it from? Had that, big, that, that big gun in the middle yeah. that mm-hmm. was like intense, like a giant bomb what, what the Iron Giant has, I think, that might be a negative, and this goes to the Batman versus Superman conversation as well, is the, the Iron Giant has what appears to be a conscience. Mm. Uh, yes, the Iron Giant right. does, not wa- he does not want to be a gun. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that uh, Devastator yeah. has no such... Right. Uh, morals or quandaries about mm-hmm. destruction and killing people. So, Iron Giant, Iron Giant doesn't have to be a gun. Now, uh, not In unlike this case the, he would. <laughs> not unlike the flock of Sherlock Holmeses, though, Devastator <laughs> can break down into six individual elements. Yes, yeah. and uh, you know, bring bring some pain. So there's a, a lot more mobility and versatility, I think, in the, the Constructicons attack. So uh, interesting conversation. We're going to turn this over to the uh, the audience. What you guys uh, you think? can vote for that on our Twitter page and our Facebook page this week. <clears throat> uh, best thing ever, Constructicon Devastator. Versus the Iron Giant. So uh, may the best bot win. After this, we will move on to uh, our second rung of competition. I believe it's the semifinals. And we'll let our other challengers continue to Whoop. fight it out to determine who is the best thing ever, 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 ever. Uh, and now I want to do something <clears throat> as I clear my throat. Ahem. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> <laughs> Neff is making out with a Capri Sun pouch. <laughs> mm. We would, all kind of want to leave. Wait, two of you are legally engaged now. <laughs> We've made this joke before, I think. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, okay. Dang, dude, you inhaled that. Thank you. Melta. 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 Here's the mail, it never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, it's We're mail time. <laughs> <laughs> Who, by Steve or Joe? <laughs> Probably Joe. Probably Blue. Yeah. All right. Uh, Second it's episode <laughs> we've done Blue. <laughs> <laughs> and the same thing. It is. 
It's mail time, you guys. We uh, we asked the the listening audience to email in some questions, and this is that moment where we're going to be reading the questions from our listeners, and uh, we're going to give them our uh, fast and furious thoughts and opinions. There's probably too many here. We got a really great response. Uh, but there, there's probably too many here to answer uh, all in one show, and some of them, quite frankly, bring about such a an, an incredible conversation. We're probably going to have to save some of these uh, for another episode, and they could probably be their own topic for a whole episode, which is good. It's a great problem to have. We have a very smart and creative audience, and uh, I think they gave us some real interesting things to work with. Some of them are are really really thought thought provoking. Some of them are really insane, yeah. <laughs> and some of them are. So specific that we just we won't have the time to go into all of them, but we'll uh, we'll try to address as many as we can here in the next few minutes. Are you guys ready? Yeah. Yes. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Tori's is like maybe. (laughs) All right. Our first uh, listener mail comes from Lloyd Smith, and Lloyd asks this: Why? What does DC have to do with their movie universe to contend with or defeat Marvel right now? What do you think, Neff? I think they need to make a bombing Green Lantern movie. <laughs> well, they did make a bombing well, Green Lantern movie. Oh! <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, Steven for the layup. Yeah. Boom. I think they need to get a time machine and go back to 10 years they ago. They need to get Idris Elba when his contract runs out with Marvel and get him as Jon Stewart. I think he's too old. <laughs> That's my opinion. He's yeah, too old. I, I Tyrese so Gibson would be a good choice. If, if Idris Elba is going to be Jon Stewart, then Nathan Fillion has to be... Uh, Dude, I think Hal Nathan Jordan. Fillion would be a fantastic Hal Jordan. But uh, but, but too too old. I I, I mean I would uh, I'm for it, but I just don't see them doing that casting. Okay, but what, but realistically, because making a good Green Lantern movie, honestly, nobody cares about Green Lantern. He's the Ant Man of the DC universe. Actually, Adam is Ant Man. Not power wise. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, what what do you think? What what does what's the strategy that DC needs to to come up with? I like what they're doing by keeping it real, like a mm. realistic, realistic kind of thing. Yeah, Last Son um, of Krypton, totally. Kind of yeah, darker well, too. Well, how can you do? Unless you're like, <laughs> you can't do Superman realistic. Well, well, do well, now. Let's compare that with the Marvel universe. I know that you have Thor, and I know that you have Hulk, and different things like that. But the Marvel universe seems to be more grounded in reality because it's like real places. Because they're real, real places. Yeah. They're real people. Mm-hmm. If you compare DC characters, I think to Marvel characters, DC tends to be more fantastical mm-hmm. in nature. For instance, Batman has kind of a realistic grounded story and I, I know that the characters are extreme and all of this is going to be comic booky. But if you compare him with the rest of the Justice League, when you got the Martian Manhunter and you have Superman and you have Wonder Woman, you have Hawkman and Hawkwoman and Green Lantern, a lot of the characters from the Marvel Universe tend to have extraterrestrial or supernatural origins uh, from the DC Universe. In the Marvel Universe, however, you have a lot more that are based on uh, science, a lot more that are based on uh, sort of logical and, and, and plausible origin stories. Now, in my opinion, that is because of the era in which they were created. There's a big difference between the comic book characters that came out in the 30s and 40s when compared to the ones that came out in the 60s because the way that people perceived the world around them the 60s was the science age it was the nuclear age it was the the atomic age so you see a lot of the characters the fantastic four you see a lot of characters the spider-man iron man they come out of 
conditional and radiation relevant radiation uh, sort of things, which have kind of now been turned into genetic splicing thing. But you can't retcon Superman's origin story. You can't go in and say, uh, yeah, last son of Krypton really is. How do you make that more realistic? He's going to be the last son of Krypton. That's kind of his thing. And if you change that, people are going to get very upset. Martian Manhunter right. is going to be from Mars. That's sort of his thing. You can't you can't change that and tweak that and make it a, a different a different animal. What do you think, Neff? I think, especially with what they've done with Dawn of Justice, it feels like they're trying to catch up with Marvel and their their multi superhero game with the Avengers and all that by putting four main superheroes in Dawn of Justice. I want the the way they're going to catch up to Marvel is if they have good individual movies and make the superheroes in those individual movies seem like superheroes that you want to go see individually so that when they actually get together in that Justice League movie, it's like, wow, you got all these guys that are huge, big, did a great job in their own movies. That's what made Avengers so special. But at the same time, you have DC who now has to play catch-up. So you can't spend the time doing all these individual movies to lead up to Justice League in 2023. So that way they can catch up to the last of the Avengers-type movies in 2019. Well, no, I'm not saying you have to do a whole bunch of them. But at least the ones that are going to be individual need to be very, very good. Tori, you're, you're a little bit of an outsider when it comes to the comic book culture. Is there any input that you might have uh DC movies, Marvel movies, just from from your perspective that might we might not be seeing. Growing up, I always thought that the uh, the DC superheroes were almost like goofy, like they were more. But that was because I saw, like that's what I knew about growing up as a kid. So it was more cartoons and that kind of thing. And then when I got older, the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the Marvel superheroes were what I watched like. As a more, like an older person, I guess. Um, I liked the Teen Titans; they were cool. That's DC, right? Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. The Teen Titans I thought were awesome because they were. The Teen Titans are my favorite. It was a great show. But, too. Um, and I don't know. I just. Uh, I feel like they're all also very different because. I feel let, like the let, me, let me let me pause and jump like, in. Sorry. What what did you like about the Teen Titans? Um. That's a good question. I like their artistic character designs. Um, <laughs> I liked that they. I liked all their very unique backstories, mm-hmm. um, and how they came together. And they were also like different, but they kicked butt. And I also liked that that they, as the show went on, they drew in more and more like other characters that I didn't know about until I I watched it, and I thought mm-hmm. that was really cool. I liked their powers. Like I thought Beast Boy was awesome. I thought Robin was cool, even though he didn't technically have that. Describe like, Beast Boy to me, if I, like as if I'm not familiar with the character. Okay, so Teen Titans Beast Boy on Cartoon Network, he's this little green kid who can transform into any animal that he wants, and he's kind of like trying to be the comic relief, um, so he's always making jokes, and but he's like the little guy, so, you know, but they use him like he's the muscle, and sometimes like him and Cyborg, who's like this completely awesome Cyborg, he's got a cool car. <laughs> Robin is the boy wonder. He's a leader, and Starfire is this really awesome chick from space who shoots stuff. And Raven is an emotional girl, but she like uses her emotions as powers, so she has to suppress them. Raven's my favorite. She's I like Raven a lot. Now this is the thing that I'm hearing, and I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I watched Teen Titans a, a little bit. I'm familiar with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Teen Titans, Teen Titans Go. Um, I, Teen I get Titans it. Go was more like. Kiddish. And I used to read Teen Titans comic books too. Yeah. I mean, I like Robin, Robin turning into Nightwing. I mean, I get yeah. the whole deal, yeah. you know, Titan Tower. But this is one of the things I'm hearing from you. Now, again, Tori is 
she's not the kind of person that's just going to line up to see a comic book movie because it came out because mm-hmm. she doesn't have a vested interest in the characters. It has to be someone that I really like. I will. I'd go and see an Iron Man. And I think that this is this is the difference between Tony Stark and Clark Kent. Um, describe Tony Stark to me. Billionaire, billionaire genius, playboy philanthropist. philanthropist. What was that last word? Philanthropist. You sure? Philanthropist. Philanthropist. There you yeah. go. Good try. <laughs> okay, now describe him to me. He's arrogant. Mm-hmm. He's cocky. Mm-hmm. He. Uh, is it very intelligent, very smart, and he knows it. Okay, pause. Bruce Banner, and we'll go Mark Ruffalo, Bruce Banner. Describe him to me. Aw, he's He's, a, he's a genius. He's incredibly insecure uh, and humble. But Steve Rogers, describe him to me. Golden boy. He, he'll do anything for anybody. He'll jump on a grenade to save his platoon before he had his power. Man of Steel Clark Kent, describe him to me. He's golden boy. He's, <laughs> he's Clark Kent. Because he was raised that way. But, but what in that movie makes you believe that he's the golden boy. What in that movie cuz you what, what describe him based on the Man of Steel movie only. I don't know. He he mm? was kind of a hobo in that movie for a little <laughs> bit. He hobo. saved he when he was a young man, he saved a bunch of kids because he he knew it was right cuz he was raised the right way mm-hmm. by his parents to know what is right and what is wrong even though they didn't exactly want him to show his powers yet at that age. So he kind of was instilled with that kind of right and wrong. Now, here's an interesting thing, and I'm just, I'm only hearing what you're saying now, and I, I, I know where you're going from, where you're coming from. Uh, you're describing the things that he did. In the Marvel movies, you're describing the things that they are. Because there's a difference between personality and power. When you're talking about Teen Titans and you're telling me about Beast Boy, mm-hmm. you lightly told me what his powers were, but you told me that he's the comic relief and that he's the mm-hmm. little guy and he's so so you're you're telling me a little bit about their their personality. When you said that that Raven was your favorite, mm-hmm. I don't know what Raven's powers are right now because you didn't tell me that, but you okay. told me about her emotions mm-hmm. and how she fights to keep control of her emotions and that's where her powers come from because there's a personality written yeah. into that. And I think that's what the DC universe has missed so yeah. far in their movies. They tried to force it in in fact Green Lantern probably the best example of a DC movie when with the personality of the character being put out there. He just didn't have a movie to support him. And there's nothing wrong with Ryan Reynolds. I think that he probably was the right guy for that movie casting wise. Yeah. But the movie just didn't support him. It wasn't well written enough. But you you don't have that in Man of Steel. Man of Steel assumes that you know enough about Superman going into it that you can just fill in the gaps of what they didn't write for you. And oh my goodness, that's kind of what Zack Snyder does a lot. Um, yeah. Chris Nolan didn't really do that in the Dark Knight movie because he brought out new parts of Batman that we really hadn't thought about or experienced before. But each, all of the successful ones retells the story, like from the ground up almost. And, and I'm like, not mad at origin stories. Not at all. But I, I, but you have to, I have to know who Tony Stark is, right? Because you're showing me, mm-hmm. not because you're telling me. Yeah. If you tell me, you know, well, Clark. Uh, I'm Bull Durham, and you have to be good because we're on a farm. You know that's <laughs> great, and that's fine. <laughs> but but show me, because I see I see Clark with a lot of struggles, and I see him with a, a lot of things. But they're all things that are happening, and it's not it's not who he is. It's not the person. That, it's the powers. That's where that's where the movie rests. And I think that DC can't separate themselves from that. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna put Batman aside because Batman's had a, a, enough opportunities that yeah. Batman kind of gets a pass. But when you start bringing in crazy extraterrestrial, out of this world characters like the Martian Manhunter, uh, when you start bringing in characters um, like the Hawk, Hawk. 
Hawkman, Hawkwoman, which are great characters. When you start bringing in the, a multitude of Green Lanterns, you're going to have to tell me what the difference is between Hal Jordan and Jon Stewart and Kyle Rayner, because so far in the DC movies, I don't think they'll be able to distinguish between the three of them because they all have the same power. Mm-hmm. They'll have to go into why is Kyle different than Hal. And that's where that's where I, I think they struggle because they're not good at writing characters outside of just, this is what I do. Laser beams. I can fly. Steven. Uh, to kind of add to that, <clears throat> excuse me, um, I think you get that in the comics. Uh, at least you have more time and it's a little bit easier to explain or do a mm-hmm. character or something in the comics, which is why Superman and Batman have lasted 70 years. What I would do to to help push us along and i and i i mean no disregards to you know david s goyer he re- helped write the christopher nolan batman trilogy i would like them to go in and get some of the the most prolific uh comic book writers i would love to see a writing team of grant morrison and neil gaiman come in and just write the justice league movie people that know the characters that have written the characters for years that have almost ex- experienced the the trials and tribulations that those characters have gone through. I would, I would almost, I would agree with you from a certain perspective, but I would almost disagree because writing for film, I think is very different than writing for the page. That's what I was thinking. The, the pacing is very, very different. And what happens is you have people that are so good at writing, that are, that are uh, accustomed to writing for the screen, but they're not, they don't have the love and the respect, the reverence for the established characters. So they're more interested in making a movie that's about, uh, let's destroy this city because mm-hmm. it'll look really, really good on the screen. And Zack Snyder is is far more about style than substance. Yes. Yeah. Um, even though I, I like Zack Snyder. I mean, I liked Sucker Punch and I liked uh, the, all the different <laughs> movies that he made. I mean, I appreciate his vision, even for the ones that I didn't care for. I, I just, I like the way that they look. But, and Man of Steel was no different. I, I liked Man of Steel. But it didn't make me feel closer. It didn't make me care about Superman at all. Mm-hmm. At all. And Superman should be the one guy that we always root for because Superman is the, is the most overpowered underdog yeah. in yeah. the world. Yeah. And they, and they failed to make me care for him. Mm-hmm. They, they, they failed to do that. This is, this is my remedy, uh, Lloyd. Um, <laughs> Make your individual oh, yeah. movies. Make your Superman movies. Make make the different movies. Don't force me to watch Justice League all the time. Make you know bring yeah. them together. Fine, that's happening. Uh, but but let Superman go do what Superman does. Let Wonder Woman go do what Wonder Woman does. If they really want to make an expanded universe that's going to be a successful movie franchise that's going to put Marvel on the run, this is what they do: base the entire extended movie universe in Gotham City. You make a Batman universe that crosses over into multiple movies, I'm going to see Robin. I'm going to see Nightwing. I'm going to see Huntress. I'm going to see Batgirl. I'm going to go see the Batman extended universe families, the ones that cross over. You And and that's going to be an amazing movie series. Yeah. That's one. Because yeah. you've got Thank all you the so great good. villains in Gotham City. You've got all the great regular, relatable variety of heroes. You got, I mean, Dick Grayson is a police officer. And and you got Damian Wayne, a, a spoiled millionaire raised by a supervillain. And you got yeah. Batman with all of his issues. And you got Barbara Gordon or Oracle, Crippler, yeah. and put you've got you've got so many wonderful variety of relatable characters because they weren't uh, born on a doomed planet far away. Uh, right there in Gotham City, 
that's your expanded universe. That's your that's your crossover universe. I believe that it comes from it comes from Gotham. Make a Jim Gordon movie. We're gonna go see it. Gotham is a successful TV show, yeah. and Batman's not in it. So uh, yeah. that's that's my real quick uh, knee jerk off the top of my head prescription for success in the DC universe. If you want to keep it grounded, uh, you've got to make it. Uh, more realistic and you've got to even if you're bringing in the big characters you've got to make it more about the people that they are I want to love and respect and and look at Superman as a, a lofty goal of who I should be not just some overpowered guy who's going to knock over a city Superman's the guy who who dies to doomsday because he's protecting his city uh, so that's uh, that's my solution. Lloyd also added this uh, this other addendum, and I'm gonna put this in Neff's court. Who is the greatest Green Lantern, Neff? Uh, I'd have to say the greatest Green Lantern is Kyle Rayner. Uh, wow. Based off what he has done, he's been uh, most of the lanterns. Uh, he's definitely brought up the level of the Green Lanterns. Uh, Hal Jordan is a close second, just because of his sheer willpower. But Kyle Rayner, he's He's got the power, man. He's he's definitely he's he's not cocky like like uh, Hal Jordan. He's a different type of Green Lantern, and I think that makes him so powerful. He's he's very emotional, and I think that emotion gives him so much power with his willpower. Well, in the in the story, I'm not I'm not overly familiar with Green Lantern. I, I didn't read it a lot, a lot. But uh, Kyle Rayner is also the one for whom there there has been the highest cost. I think to be Green Lantern. I mean, you remember the the scene with his girlfriend when she in was killed. And, yeah. So yeah. there there's a lot of uh, a lot of emotional baggage for Kyle Rayner. So to be, uh, yeah, it was pretty pretty gruesome. Chopped it in a fridge. Dog stop. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty bad. <laughs> but but uh, I think Kyle uh, was w w w probably brings the most heart. Yeah, he's a, he's an artist, so his constructs are so much more out there than all the other lanterns too, which is cool. Yeah, where I think you have w with Hal, it's usually very military uh you know a lot of, a lot of that's know, how john stewart is too because he's John's, in the military exactly so uh yeah i don't know that's a, that's an interesting answer i probably i probably wouldn't have gone that way but uh, i defer to neff our our green lantern expert so uh thank you lloyd for your questions moving on this is from josh martin who was with us on an episode hey, josh was hey, on episode josh. six right who to who j mart yes it was uh, our back to the future special yep mm -hmm. uh mm -hmm. josh martin asks this in your opinion what is the best representation of a Christ-like figure in the nerd genre? Movies, video games, TV, animation. A Christ-like figure. Hmm. I mean, I'll just go with what first came to mind, mm -hmm. and that's Superman. Superman. He, he's, a, he's very Christ-like. Uh, the last son of Krypton sent to Earth to save mankind. Yeah. Or to protect mankind, what have you. Or he decides to protect mankind. Yeah, they're good people, Kal-El. They just lack the light to show them the way. Yes. It's for this reason, above all else, that I'm sending them you, my, my only son. son. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that and then... Uh, another... I should have done that in my Marlon Brando voice. The light is like the show of life. So that's the reason I'm sending them you, my only son. Sorry. <laughs> I knew it was you, Bruce. You broke my heart. <laughs> you broke my heart. Uh, and then another, I'm hopefully on that semi on anybody's toes. Is the other one that came to mind first is uh, Gandalf the Grey. Yeah, I was I was sitting on that one too. Gandalf the resurrection, and, and yeah, sacrificing himself to yeah save the world essentially, and then resurrecting more, again. Huh? Yeah, I, I man, and even the, like the whole on the third day, look to the oh east, my you know? goodness. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> 
Token. <laughs> it's like Token was a Christian or something. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I don't. Cool. I don't want to go for the, the easy one like the Aslan. I don't know how nerdy <laughs> yeah. well, well, Chronicles of Narnia is, but Aslan is Jesus. Literally. Um, you I don't know you know, you know who, who I think of right away. Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah, I, in my go. mind went right one. there right before because you said Obi-Wan it. Because Obi-Wan Kenobi, it's the whole, like, I'm, I'm watching you. Hey, here's here's your, your father's sword, like the mm-hmm. word of God. I don't know. Uh, you know, he teaches you. You've taken your first step into the larger world. And then he he dies to, to buy them enough time to get out. If you strike me down, I'll become more powerful. You know, uh, and then, of course, he does come back. I don't know. It's just, just off the top of my head. Yeah, and he's there when, when Luke needs him. Uh-huh. Uh, Eris from Final Fantasy VII, maybe a little Christ-like. Yeah, sure. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anybody else? Neb. I was gonna say Aslan. 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 Good answer, man. Well, I, like, I like in I think it was the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, or maybe it was Prince Caspian, where he says, "You will know me by another name on the um in the real world." And I was like, "He's talking about Jesus." <laughs> yeah, that's Prince Caspian because no, uh, he was talking Peter about Apocalypse. And Susan. <laughs> oh gosh, please no, <laughs> stop. I mean, stop. not 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 in uh, Lion the Witch and Her Wardrobe where he dies. For, Ed, slab, for Edwin's yeah. sins, yeah, and then resurrects and, and the, destroys and the stone, evil. The stone is you know what I love about that that movie and the book too, but I love it in the movie how they, he doesn't just die; like they humiliate him, yeah. they shave him, so good. and they do the oh, it's it's really it's, it's really so beautiful. Good. It's really beautiful. No, I mean it's like, like, it's, it's like it's C.S. Lewis was a Christian yeah. or something. Yeah, it's it's not it's just it's not just that he dies. But they, he allows them, he willingly allows them to emasculate him. And you see it, especially in the book, you see it through Lucy's eyes, and she's just like, like, it's, she's helpless, and watching his, I love, I love, and love he, it. He's <laughs> taking the place of Edmund. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so he's taking the place of someone. Mm-hmm. I think I might have accidentally called him Edwin. I Edwin. apologize. Okay. That's okay. He's a penguin. So, so er, he, he is dying in Irwin's place. Crikey. Crikey. All right, here's a, here's a question from uh, Matt Law. Uh, Matt Law writes this. He says, how do you feel about and, – and let me let me be a precursor for this and just say I, I've had a, a distinct geek moment. Uh, our friend Michael Diaz emailed me a movie trailer, a video game trailer, while I was in, uh, in Arizona last week. Um, and 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 it geeked me out. So Matt is Matt is asking a question about that. He says the new Final Fantasy VII remake is coming out. How do you feel about Final Fantasy VII being sold in parts instead of a game as a whole? To me, it would depend on how much those parts are going to be. So if it's let's say it's six parts, if they're all sixty dollars each, then I, I I do not like that. Unless you get like a full game, like a. 20 25 hour game mm-hmm. for that if it's a three hour four hour game then i in my opinion that's a ripoff and i've never played final fantasy from what i understand even the older ones were very extensive it, it took me about 100 hours to beat final fantasy yeah so, so if you can get it give me like- six 100 hour games for the price uh, for the price of each game being individual i think that would be fair i don't think i want to play 600 hour games. yeah no. but i mean fallout 4 is what a thousand hours is it? <laughs> so, yeah but that's like they have a thousand different. hours of content on it i think yeah i couldn't i couldn't handle that well i think Weren't the, some of the older games, like 12 or 13, split into part two and part one? Yes, but you bought the discs. Yeah, but, yeah, but uh, 10, 10 was the one. It was the first Final Fantasy that had a direct sequel. It was 10 and then 10-2. Uh, it was very different flavor, a very different game. Uh, okay. The only reason to get 10-2, in my opinion, was if you really, really like J-pop girl bands <laughs> or if you really needed the happy ending that, that 10 didn't give you. See, I've never, I've never played any Final Fantasy games because I'm not a turn-based guy. So. The thing about the original Final Fantasy VII 
was that it did come in like how many discs? Three was discs. It? Three discs. So, but you got them all at once. Yes. So it's a long, it's a long game. Right. But I'm not entirely sure that I, I didn't play the original, so I guess I don't. I personally was really psyched that it was coming back out, so I could have a better chance to play it mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't even think my boyfriend's PS1 works. PS2, whatever it was. PS1. Point is, okay. It's harder. Oh, it's PS1. Harder wow. to get a hold of and all that kind That's of thing. That's a lot of game for PS1. Yeah. I thought it was P- oh no, 10 uh, was PS2. But I, I personally would much rather have it all at once, but I guess I don't have anything to compare it to. So I don't know. I feel like episodical is, is not. But I didn't play that. I don't have know the story, said, so. Have they said how many episodes are going to be? I don't know. I have not heard that. I, I, w- I think I would rather play a well constructed episodic game then I would rather play a game and then have another game's worth of downloadable content or a season pass that I need to get to get the full experience. That's yeah. true. Okay. Uh, truthfully, I, w- I would rather, and that's not just for Final Fantasy, it's a large game. It's a robust game. Yeah, I don't think I want to play a game and then have to wait another year for the next Yeah, content. especially because the story is the already story is, told. Like, well, not only because the story is already told, but because the story is extremely convoluted and yeah. uh, there's a lot of elements and a lot of details. And I, I, I don't want to I'm afraid it's it. going to be like The Hobbit. Like you could have told it in one movie, but they told it in three, and then it was kind of lame. Like I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's feel a good like, point. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like point. it would. It's already one story. Just, yeah, if they're artificially inflating just, it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not know. a fan of that. But I think as long as they handle the the, the price point right, as long yeah. as they handle the scheduling right, and as long as they make sure that the story doesn't get lost in the parts, Matt, uh, your nerd of God cast crew is uh, not against it. All right. So our next uh, our next listener letter comes from Jonathan Kitts. And uh, Jonathan asks, and I'll, I'll answer his question right away. I'm not sure which one of you is most qualified to field this question. It's Stephen. Uh, <laughs> Back to the Future. Okay. George and Lorraine. Why would they not recognize their son as Calvin Klein? Uh, he continues to write. You tend to remember the people who brought you together in life. You'd certainly remember the person who played Johnny B. Good in such a dramatic fashion at the Enchantment Under the Sea dance. And given that Lorraine had such a crush on Marty in 1955, she's unlikely to have forgotten him altogether. So why then, when Marty goes back to 1985, did George or Lorraine seem to have no recognition of his pivotal part in their lives? Wouldn't Marty, at the age of 13 or 14, one of them think something was a bit odd happening, or that they managed to breed someone who looks exactly like the person who brought them together all those years ago? Yeah, I think that George would might be a little suspicious yeah. going, are you hooking up with that Calvin Klein kid? Wouldn't even Biff be, like, because he would recognize him because he had so much anger towards him? And maybe, possibly. So, Steven? in your court. Okay, uh, my retort to that would be, <laughs> uh, Tony, please tell me... Um, do you remember somebody that you knew for one week uh, when you were eight years old? Uh, some people. It, yeah, but just for one entire week. Uh, that, that's all as, all, as long de- as you know. It really depends on the week. Yeah, I mean, I get that. I mean, and, and maybe it, not eight years old, but certainly at 18 years old. Yeah, no, I mean, that's my go-to thing is like it was 30 years ago for one week. Granted, he did have a big impact on their life. But I, I don't think you can remember exactly what somebody looks like. Like, they could say, oh, you know, he, he kind of looks like, you know, uh, Calvin. That's my biggest resign is why did they not go and look up Calvin Klein uh, when he became a big, you know, a fashion uh, person? Because uh, that's a very distinct name. And she's like, oh, look, he has purple underwear, you know. Um, uh, here, here's what I think. Um, I have a son. None of you have children uh, yet true. that you know of. He's not well, wrong. I do. I mean, but I'm thinking in the future. 
Back to the Future. You're grounded. Okay. I'm, I'm not the funny one. That's Neff. I have I have a son, and uh, th- this is one of the things that that's when you have a child and you see them from the time that they're a baby uh, when I look back at baby pictures of my son right now he doesn't look like he does now all the way I mean he had different phases where he was you know kind of this was his cute chubby cheek sort of look and this is sort of and now that he's sort of become a young man I can recognize him as a young man and I, I see less and less of the baby that, that was in him and sometimes when I'll look at pictures of him when he was a little one I'll go man it doesn't even look like him anymore so why do I think that like somehow my son hasn't been replaced by somebody else? Because I've seen him grow every day over a long period of time and I'm acclimated and accustomed to who he is and who he was and, and that sort of a thing. So they might have this picture and this memory of who uh, Calvin Klein was back in 1955, but they've known Marty from the time that he was born in you know 1968 or whatever. And, and as he's grown up, they've they've seen and become accustomed to his face as being his face it it has had a longer time to root in their hearts him his personality his identity the way that he relates to his parents uh, from a you know father to son mother to son perspective is going to be different he's not going to have the same level of confidence and swagger that he had when he was relating to george and lorraine out of a you know a week of desperation uh, or urgency that he had in, in 55 so they would know him as having a different personality they would know him as having different character traits and they would recognize him as their son before they would recognize him as that guy it's also like it's not like they like walked in one day and met Marty. Yeah. After like, oh, you look just like that guy. Like. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. There was not like a sudden. Like, Show me your underwear. They right. see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they, yeah. One day you can, but but you you might think one day Lorraine's folding her son's underwear and she goes, purple underwear. Huh? Purple underwear. Right. I yeah. Se- I haven't seen. I have a pair of these on my hope chest. <laughs> uh, I was making a bit from Back to the Future two reference. I, I haven't seen you. a pair of those in 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, Marty is a byproduct of his parents, so therefore, I think they would more see that and see themselves. They would in see Marty. themselves, yeah. like, oh wow, George, he looks just like I did when I was four years old. He looks just like you right. did when you were four years old. Yeah. Yeah. Instead of saying, oh, he looks just like Calvin Klein, because yeah. he is. It's not like he's a you know he he isn't part of them. You know, or, yeah, kids, he looks. Oh, you know, Lorraine, he looks just like your father. You yeah, know? you know, he just looks just like, like Uncle Sam. Joey. <laughs> Uncle Joey. <laughs> well, Jonathan, I hope that answers your question. Uh, <laughs> we could probably spend uh, three episodes talking about Back to the Future stuff, uh, time travels and uh, all the different fun things and, and loopholes and uh, hints and clues and theories about that stuff. Fun stuff. Good movie. Uh, all right, moving right along. This is from uh, Zach Schinholzer. Uh, Zach writes this. Hey, Nog Squad, my question is this. What are your favorite DC and Marvel superheroes? Uh, he puts out that his are the Kyle Rayner Green Lantern and Peter Parker, Spider-Man. So who's your favorite DC and Marvel superheroes? We'll start on my left. Neff? Well, it's Green Lantern, obviously, for okay. DC. And Marvel? Marvel? Um, That's a weird one. I guess it would be Black Panther. Really? Why? Black Panther's a cool character. Black I mean, Panther is a cool character. That's, a, that's an unconventional about, I don't answer. know much about the Marvel characters, but he's definitely... Oh, well, that and I guess the Hulk. I grew up with the Hulk. Hulk was my favorite when I was a kid because I grew up, if I'm going to be honest, with the Hulk movie, the 2000, the, the Ang Lee. Ang Lee. So I'm going to be honest, I grew up with, with that Hulk, but I had like the action figure and the, 
the underwear and all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this episode brought to you by underwear. That's right. <laughs> they are on my hope chest. Is that rain? <laughs> yeah, it is rain. It is rain. Oh it is pouring yeah. down rain. Florida weather. It is pouring rain here in the middle of the night. Uh, in the nerd of God, the, the nerd cave here, the, the rat cave. Steven, who are your favorite Marvel and DC characters? Uh, DC is Batman, hands down. <laughs> I mean, there's no question for that. Okay. Uh, Marvel is uh, the Mighty Thor. The Mighty Thor. Yes. You want to you back that up? Tell me why. Uh, it was mostly kind of like Nefs with the Hulk. He was my favorite when I was a kid. Uh, it started off, and this is uh, an admittance kind of thing. Uh, I really liked the movie Adventures in Babysitting when I was a kid. <laughs> and the little girl in that movie I had a little bit of a crush on because I was age appropriate at the time. The little girl? or well, I mean, Elizabeth Shue was, like my, was, yeah, my, sure. was my crush for a long time. Uh but no, the little girl had a little crush on her. I thought she was cute when I was a kid, and she was obsessed with Thor. So she had Thor posters all over the room. She had uh, Thor's helmet and a little hammer. And then they meet like a really buff, long-haired, you know, blonde guy with like a sledgehammer later on in the movie. And she thinks that he's Thor. Well, adorable. He has their car, and he's gonna let them go. And then he becomes a good guy, and he's like, you know, I'll let you guys go. And then she gives him uh, the helmet, her only Thor helmet, Yay. and he, he goes, you know what, kid? Because she thinks that he's Thor. Right. He's like, you know what, kid? You know, this would be better for you. You know, you're a real Aww. hero. Also. And I just, I really liked that movie as a kid. And I was like, that Thor guy's really cool. And I liked his look, especially the, uh, like the original look of him with the helmet and the, and all that. I just really liked it. So it was more of a nostalgia thing. And then when they announced that they were going to do a movie, I'm like, yeah, because I really liked him in the Ultimates because he was kind of like, <laughs> mm-hmm. he was a little arrogant and kind of like high on himself a little bit in the Ultimates, but he backed his stuff up mm-hmm. uh, when most people didn't believe in him. I thought that was really cool too. Cool. Tori, uh, again, I know that, that comic book stuff is not necessarily your bailiwick, no, but... uh, it's not necessarily... Because I watched a ton of superhero stuff when I was growing up because it was on TV all the time. So, like, I grew up watching Batman. I grew up watching Superman, I think, too. Whichever one was on WB Kids. Yes, it was both of them. Yeah. And Static Shock. And <laughs> Static Shock. But Teen Titans, I think, was my favorite because although, like, Batman's kind of like a given, so... I think Raven is probably my all-time favorite DC because uh, she's awesome. Cool. And uh, Marvel's going to have to be Iron Man. Iron Man. I, I love Tony Stark. Iron Man is cool. <laughs> you know who loves Iron Man just a little bit too much? My wife. <laughs> Does she love Iron Man or Robert Downey Jr.? You know what? I don't want to ask because... Because <laughs> he doesn't want to know. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm very happy with Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Oh, Steven. Steven, Steven. Um, oh, Marvel and DC. Uh, that's tough because I, I think growing up, I, I liked Batman and Spider-Man the most. Those, those were my favorites. Um, I really got into the Ultimate comic books. I really like Ultimate Captain America a yeah, lot. He's really cool. Uh, man, so that's that's really a tough one for me. Uh, I think probably at this point, my favorite... Uh, and this, this is tough. My favorite Marvel character, outside of just my deep childhood love for Spider-Man is Daredevil. I really, I really like Daredevil. And and I'm not just sort of a bandwagon, Johnny Come Lately, hey, it's on Netflix and now I like this guy. Right. Uh, I've, I've been a Daredevil fan for a while. I have a lot of Daredevil collectibles and uh, man, just really follow that story. Really, really like the character. He is, um, I like him because he's not overpowered. He's not just like this crazy superpower guy. Most of what he has, I mean, he has superpowers, but he's, it's it, and nowhere is it probably better illustrated really than in the Netflix show. I think in episode two there's a there's a fight oh, yeah. uh, in a hallway and it's oh, just yeah. this this fight where he's just he's getting 
beat up, but he's keep he he keeps going because he, he's driven. And uh, and and man, you know that because of his super sensitivities, every time he gets hit, he's feeling it even more than than normal. So, uh, really, really amazing character and uh, a lot of fun to to read and to to see. I also like the way that he relates with other characters in the Marvel Universe, too, because he has that, he's got a very, very interesting day job as well. It's not like, hey, I'm Reed Richards, I'm this scientist, or I'm Tony Stark, I'm a you know billionaire philanthropist, playboy, uh, or I'm Peter Parker, I'm the photographer. Uh, I mean, he goes to work and does heroic stuff uh, for his day job, too, so I uh, really like uh, Daredevil for my Marvel character. For DC, ooh, uh, man... Batman is my guy. I, I don't want to. I don't want to have to fall back on Batman, but Batman is really, really my guy. Uh, That's because Batman's awesome. Batman is awesome. <laughs> I mean, he's just a great character. If I if I had to not pick Batman, uh, you know, Green Lantern was pretty good. Green Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I really I like Arrow. I like Green Arrow, mm. uh, comic book Green Arrow, more than Stephen Amell Green Arrow. I really like uh, I like Shazam. I like oh, Cap- Shazam is cool. Captain That's Marvel. Really cool yeah. I really like Captain Marvel. I'm sorry, his name's Captain Marvel to me. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm old school prior to Shazam, but uh, I, I really like Shazam. He's a he's a very very cool character. That's that's tough, man. That, that's a tough one. Um, I, I honestly, I always grew up really, really liking Robin, liking Robin a lot. Oh yeah. So I guess if it wasn't going to be Batman, I really like Robin, and I and I'm, I'm going to go Dick Grayson, Robin, all the way through <laughs> Nightwing. Uh, just really, really dig. So no, dig Jason Robin Todd. Uh, I like Jason Todd. I mean, I like him now. I mean, he's a he's a cool character as a as a you know as his Marvel current DC Comics iteration is. I uh, won't spoil anything for anybody else. But uh, all right, so that is that one. Everybody answered. Very good. And uh, let's. Uh, we got a couple more questions here, and and then we're going to sort of wind this this episode down. Uh, this one comes in from uh, Daniel Line. Oh, oh man, <laughs> that name sounds familiar. Do you recognize? Huh. You recognize that name? Yeah, it sounds. Yeah, I knew a line once. All right. So Daniel Daniel has written a series of questions, and oh, he's actually gosh. given some content here that we could probably spin off into a full episode but uh I'm yeah gonna, he does that he, he does he's a thinker uh oh, i'm gonna gosh. pick one of his questions here what are the best video game stories and he clarifies said i don't mean stories in video games but stories that can only be told in the medium of video games most stories are delivered through cutscenes in a way uh, no different than film but some games go the extra mile to portray their story in a way that involves the player so, what what is the best video game story? A story that's told through the gameplay uh, of video games. Gotta think for a second. I know this one. This one is a, 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 a definitely a, a thinker. I think, uh, I guess the Telltale games are. It's kind of a weird thing with the Telltale games because you basically you choose the outcome, so you kind of have control over the story, but at the same time. You could also make it into a movie or a TV show, a lot of their stuff. Yeah, that's a really good point, because I I would think the Telltale games, because they're kind of an interactive story, an interactive movie or graphic novel, that they might all automatically be disqualified. But because you really do have to make choices based on your prejudices or based on your your, your quick reactions or just your heart, uh, that's a really interesting medium of storytelling that you can't really get from another. Because I remember in Choose Your Own Adventure books, you could, like, okay, turn to page two if you want to go in the cave, turn to page nine if you want to go up the ladder. But in, uh, and I'm thinking of the the Walking Dead game specifically, uh, you make choices and other characters remember it. 
uh, and you make choices and then you go into the next episode and this person's alive and this person's not and it, it plays out very very differently so that's a good answer I'm trying to think of because like choosing the outcome is definitely one route but like being an integral part of like the actual storytelling because that's that's a weird thing for me because i don't particularly like games that are very cinematic like if i want to watch a movie i'll go watch a movie if i want to play a game i want to solve puzzles and i want to that's why i didn't originally didn't want to play the last of us because that was what everybody tried to tell me. it's just like a movie i'm like well i didn't play a movie see but i disagree with the last of us but as a movie i now i do yeah. because it's so and I didn't even play it I'm just watching it and there's so it's it integrates you in such a vastly different way than a movie does and because you are actually driving the story along even with the cutscenes and it's so very different in the way it handles everything that I would say that The Last of Us originally Journey came to my mind because there hardly were any cutscenes but that's such a it's a beautiful story but I'd say The Last of Us does a better job of, of fooling you into thinking like oh it's very cinematic but surprise it's gonna rip your heart out and yeah. do a dance on it so Steve what are you thinking buddy <laughs> um well I wasn't thinking Journey until you said something yeah, Journey a, Journey's a wonderful yeah, example Journey is yeah that was yeah. the first one that came to it's my a head wonder, wonder, wonderful wonderful what did you say that because I've never choice. played it so I don't know oh, but, but the it, story but in bit. Journey is more implied than overtly yes. stated yeah. which I love which is wonderful and, a, and another one that comes to mind although I haven't played it so it's not why I'm gonna say it would be a Limbo would mm. be an, another one. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. um, but the first one that came mm -hmm. to my mind uh, was Legend of Zelda. Uh, have your pick, which was everyone. They, it could be told in another medium, but I don't think it will work in another medium. That's an interesting way to put it, because I, I agree. When they start talking about, hey, we're going to make a Zelda movie or TV show, I go, How, how's that going to work? I, I automatically am like, well, I don't really want to Have you seen like, the Mario I don't know. movie? <laughs> it's just yeah. like, eh, it's okay. Uh, so, I mean, specifically... John Leguizamo as Tingle. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> specifically, <laughs> Kanye West as Navi. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> no, Little hey, John hey, as... listen, I'm going to let you finish, but... <laughs> I would say Lil John is Navi. Hey, what? listen, what? Don't go over there. Um, okay. Uh, specifically for me, uh, Ocarina of Time, just because that's my favorite Zelda game, and I like the time travelness in it. Uh, but yeah, Legend of Zelda. Uh, have your pick, which whatever one. Uh, but my personal one is uh, Ocarina. Daniel and I were discussing Zelda games oddly enough the other day, and we were talking about Twilight Princess and how it was the most. Um, literary themed of all of them so even though it was it definitely is a something you couldn't really tell as a movie it was definitely the most like story enriched as far as like i don't know it was very much a, a fairy tale but not in a way that made you like made it cliche twilight princess was definitely one of the ones that comes to mind as far as like a, a unique story told you could only tell it as a video game now, now, here's one that, that comes to my mind when you mention these, and I think it's very much along the lines of uh, Limbo or uh, Journey, mm -hmm. uh, and that's uh, Ico. Ooh. Shadow of the Colossus. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, yeah. very... Definitely. You know, it, because you... The, the story is very minimalistic in its yes. setup, yeah. but what draws you into it is the experience, mm -hmm. and there's something... There's a very unique emotional quality when you are controlling the actions, and you feel like something is legitimately at stake mm -hmm. uh, in that game, uh, and it, it's something that, that, that couldn't be told, that couldn't be translated into, mm -hmm. into any other. Because you have to go through that 
you know, whatever plot twist may or may not be in it. Like, you have to experience right. it as the character instead of going in and watching somebody else experience it. Mm-hmm. I think that's that's definitely my turn off for those kind of games. Where, like, I don't want to see somebody else do it. I want to be a part of it. Yeah, and there's a, there's a game that I, I think I bought on, they had a download sale on Black Friday, flash sale, The Order 1886, which yes. is the most beautiful game I've ever seen. But it feels like I'm just having gunfights in the middle of a movie. Right. It feels like I'm watching a movie and then yeah. occasionally I'm shooting at some people and mm-hmm. now I'm watching a movie again. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's it's fine. I mean, it's a good diversion, but it doesn't feel like I'm, I'm pushing the story along. It just feels like I'm being pulled along by the narrative. Yeah, not not a fan. That's why I didn't mention games like Heavy Rain or, or Beyond Two Souls. No, and I, I didn't play all Beyond Two Souls. I just did the demo, but Heavy Rain came to my mind. Because it was a wonderful and an innovative way to tell the story, but it was an innovative way to to tell a, a cinematic story. Yeah. Uh, and, and I love that you could make choices and that there were real consequences. If you did this or didn't do this, certain things mm-hmm. would happen. It was, it was brilliant. It was a brilliant game design, but it wasn't a unique, I think, story presentation. I think just depriving a player of certain things based on their choices doesn't necessarily make it not... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. Just because it's a choose-your-own-adventure doesn't necessarily solve that. Well said. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, no, yeah, no. I, so, very well articulated. I agree with you 100%. I don't, I don't think, because I'm not really into those either. Mm. I don't know. Not my thing. Any other thoughts? What about something like uh, Fable? Oh, that's a good one. And I and I haven't played. I really have not had that experience. But I know that there's a lot of player choices, and the story, the entire world, completely wraps around the way that you you tell the story. Uh, the same thing applies with a game like Mass Effect. Uh, and again, I, I'll I'll be honest with you. I gave up in Mass Effect. Uh, yeah. It did not capture my attention the way I wanted it to. Uh, probably the same reason I've still not finished Dragon Age. I, I just I don't know what it is about the, mm-hmm. that kind of game. It just doesn't compel uh, you. It, it's it's hard for me to to stay with. I'd say probably some horror games are probably only, like, successful because they're games. You know, like, I'm sure, obviously, horror movies are, they do their job, but I think there's something very unique and, uh, unfortunately, intimate about certain horror games that just screw with you. Did I tell you about this Dave and Buster's game that my son and I played? <laughs> you, you told me. Oh my goodness. Yes. Okay, okay. So I was at Dave and Buster's the other day. Uh, there was a, a group uh, called CIY Christ in Youth and they, they had some youth pastors from the area come in and we were just talking and sharing ideas and resources with each other. And at the end of it, they gave us all cards that said, hey, welcome to Dave and Buster's. You can just play the rest of the night. So I was like, what? So I went and got my son from school and we came back and we played some video games. Well, they had this, this uh, game. A lot of the arcade games are either driving games or shooting games Mm -hmm. and this was a shooting game and it was in an enclosed little booth so you got into the booth and you sat down and it was sort of a a on-rail shooter think like house of the dead Mm -hmm. Uh, similar premise to look we're in a haunted mansion what a mansion and here's zombies and we're gonna shoot at them right Uh, but this was it was it was a 3d game so you actually put goggles on and the game was 3d no hold on it's not no 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 we're not even there yet oh dear Not only is it a 3D game, it was uh, immersive in other ways. You, uh, when you were holding the gun, the gun had a sensor on it that was measuring your pulse nope. while you were holding the game. Nope. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh-oh. So you walk into this room, and uh, and it's a 3D room. The sound is all around you, totally immersive, uh, you know, surround sound. And uh, you, there's something behind you because you hear it. No. Then... 
you feel breathing on the oh back of your neck. God. No. There is there is there is air. There is air uh, moving on the back of your neck. No. At which point I'm like, what is happening right now? <laughs> what is going on? And then something oh. you turn around and something busts out at you. Mm-mm. At which point the seat you're on it, it goes boom and it shoots like there, there, there's a loud noise and it dead. shoots air at you from the front and the seat that you're on like lurches oh my so God. your entire body is physically reacting no. and feeling and hearing no. and now you're not controlling your emotions are you you're, you're controlling the gun and also you're, really at that point I was just doing the best to control my bladder right exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> so we shot at some monsters for a second and then the next thing happened and the, the next guy busted out us and it was the same like super loud like bah and uh, the the seat jumped when it happened and we could feel like this cold breeze blowing on i just look at my son i'm like are we done he's like yeah we're done yeah no we got that's right like, out of there mm-hmm. how about no it was like let's go play mario kart again yeah. because this is not for us i think but yeah i think there's something uniquely special about the like, horror games like, horror like, games like amnesia amnesia oh, is, is very goodness. story story based but you couldn't like because the thing the main thing about amnesia is you can't fight off the monsters. You're running away yeah, from monsters. Yeah, you don't have a weapon. It's not, it's not a beat the monsters to death and then run o- and then keep on continuing. You have to run away from the monsters. And if you did that in a movie or a book or anything like that, it'd be more. It'd be it'd be stupid because it's like always oh, got to run away into a corner and wait for the monster to go by. Yeah, gotta wait for that to happen. I've never heard of Amnesia before. Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think I've that really? or that or I have not okay. about it. It's, it's a very. It's it's terrifying. a. It's freaky. Because you're this kid and you can't. Sorry. No, candidly, I don't like freaky games. <laughs> no, I don't blame you. I didn't play it. Is uh, it? Is it like super scary? Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. It's, it's like because scary? because it's not yeah. you. You're not some gunslinging zombie fighter who's going in and killing the monsters. You are just trying not to lose your mind because there's a sanity meter. Yeah. And you're trying to solve a mystery and you're trying not to die and you don't have a weapon. No, you like, have to run away. What was that game for the Xbox with the your the guy with the flashlight, Alan Wake? Alan Wake. Yeah, I, and I never played that, but that was That's another kind one. of thing where you're you're fighting against things that. Yeah, you, but you had the flashlight to kind of. Did the flashlight actually affect them? I, I, I don't. I don't know. I never played the game. I I don't know. I've I've only seen the the little DLC thing for the previous. Here's here's I'm one. Sure, here's one that that comes to my mind when you're talking about games that the stories that can only be told through the media of of game telling a gameplay, and that's everyone's gone to the rapture. Everyone's oh, Gone to the dude. Rapture was a wonderful. Yes. I almost played that while I was had the opportunity, <laughs> and uh, I decided not to because I didn't want to do it alone. <laughs> oh, no, it's not scary. It's not there, scary? No, 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 well, not, sc- not scary at all. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, I didn't find the game. It's haunting, okay. but it's not scary. No, there's nothing jumps it's not out like at you. I have to keep all the lights on when no, I go to bed. No, 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 okay. no, 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 not at all. Mild it's, language. Yeah, but it's um, a beautiful game, and the story is very well told. But it's it's told in such a way that yeah. I don't know that you could probably experience that through any other media. It's really so, pretty. Uh, uh, well, now I'm slightly. Yeah, yeah, definitely. You should come over and play it. We only okay. one. <laughs> Just when you said that, it sparked this game to mind, which I think is the same way. It's a story that I don't think can be told in another medium. Is mm-hmm. Mist. Interesting. Uh, now, now I, I don't Remind know about Mist. Mist came out with a series of books too that oh, really? I, I think that oh, were. Oh yeah. But but Mist. I follow one of the art key artists who. Yes. Okay. Yeah. But Mist, I think, was a cool game Reminds. because Mist was one of the first ones that kind of gave you this feeling of real isolation. 
and, and an immersion of like, where am I? And there's nothing going on over here. I haven't finished it because that feeling was it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Well, the yeah. puzzles on Mist are very, very unforgiving. Oh, I mean, yeah. It, that it is a game that really makes you work for it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, well, great. Uh, good question. Good question, Dan. Um, we, we don't have time probably for your other ones because, man, some of his questions were real, uh, real challenging and, and definitely good. So we're going to bring them back for another episode. Maybe we can even have Dan call in sometime and be part Ooh. of our, uh, our show. We'll test our Skype out on him. From what I understand, we're going to have to get real used to calling New Jersey every week anyway. <laughs> so okay, we're used to... Uh... Buying plane tickets. <laughs> here is our here is our last uh, our last email that we're going to have time for tonight. Uh, I, I, thankfully, it is an email with fourteen questions on it. <laughs> this comes from uh, this comes from Keith Stacy. Oh man! Oh, I was, right. uh, he said, "Here's my questions for episode ten. Pick and choose as you wish." Um, at the end of Mass Effect, what action did you pick to end the Reaper attack? Anybody play Mass Effect to the end? I killed myself. I don't know. I never played yeah, the game. Okay. <laughs> it doesn't matter. They're all the same in different skins. It doesn't matter. Spoiler uh, alert. Don't care. Don't care. Uh, Mass Effect just didn't keep my interest. Uh, when you played Fable, did you play good or evil? Did anybody here play Fable? No, I, I, I did not. Okay. Well, then let's let's make this a little more general. When you play a game where you can choose to be a good character or an evil character, which which way do you go? I always want to play the evil character to see what it's like, but I always end up playing the good character. Like in Bioshock, I, I already I always save the, the, the save the little sisters. In Fall and yeah. Fallout, I always keep Megaton. Uh, mm. What is what is that? Oh, fall, uh, Megaton is it usually is it's supposed to be it wasn't for me, but it's the first major uh, city that you find, mm. and you get the option. You meet a guy there who will give you a bunch of caps and has information for you to find your father because that's the idea of the game is you need to go find your father, and. Uh, he says, I'll, I'll give you a whole bunch of caps, which is a currency, and I'll give you information on your father, but first I need you to detonate the bomb that is at the bottom of Megaton. It's a oh, hydrogen okay. bomb uh, mm -hmm. because I, there's some risky business going on here. Or you can defuse the bomb and get rid of this guy, and you will get less caps, but you still get information about your father. So you have to choose whether or not you want to kill a bunch of people or kill this one guy. Uh, to save a bunch of people. I always choose to save Megaton, but I always see the videos of Megaton Megaton blowing up and I want to blow it up because it seems kind of cool. I've been I've been to I've been to Tori's town in uh, Animal Crossing and she is like a dictator. What? Uh, all across the town there's like pictures of her and all what? the people do this what the are you salute. About? No, it's propaganda. Hi, uh, <laughs> Tori. You know the the Hitler salute could be described as a wave also. The name of her town is Waves. So uh, <laughs> very, very good book reference. Yeah, thank you. Uh, so uh, yeah, I think that I always try to. I, I always think it'd be interesting to be the villain, but uh, I'm so uncomfortable with being bad in games that when I played Skyrim. Um, I accidentally turned got turned into a vampire, and like I just restarted my profile. Was that an accident? I don't want. Uh, I walked into the wrong cave, gotcha. and there was vampire. Okay. And in fact, it was Keith Stacy. Keith Stacy wrote this email. I, I text him one day, and I say, um, "I'm playing Skyrim, and there's a notification on the screen that says like that I can feel the sun burning my flesh. And every now and again, the screen will just flash red. And he's like, "Oh, you have like hemophilic porophilia. I don't know. Like he gave me like this fancy name." And then he said, yeah, you're a vampire, brother, and not the sparkly kind. <laughs> I said, oh, no. So I said, how do I get to not be a vampire? He said, okay, and this is what he told me. It was, and he was right. He said, there's a whole long quest that you can do to get rid of the whole thing, and it takes a long time. Or you can just go become a werewolf. 
Because if you can't, you can't be a werewolf and a vampire, apparently, in Skyrim. Hashtag Team Jacob. So I went, all right, uh, I guess I'll be a werewolf then. So I went and became a werewolf, and I did. And you know how many times I've turned into a werewolf? Zero times. <laughs> because I don't want to be a monster. I want to be a hero. I don't want to be yeah. a bad guy. But werewolves are cool. Lichens. Yeah, I, 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 my, now, every time I play a game where you can be hero or villain, I'm I'm law and order every time. I'm, I'm the good guy every time. Uh, conversely, good. my wife villain every time yeah she will do the most evil thing and she's the sweetest most you know i love she's delightful she is evil on these games she will straight up zap citizens she don't care you get in her way she'll just be like and the reason because she plays infamous that's like her in fact that's her uh her playstation network handle is infamous sheena and uh, (laughs) yeah it's true and she is uh she is nasty dude like she just will blow up cars she'll like pick stuff up collateral damage is not even an issue for her uh just straight up villain every time she can do something uh i'm the polar opposite i just i want to be the good guy so i guess maybe that's opposites attract uh okay good question keith uh question number three what's your favorite game soundtrack oh Uh. by by default for me is fallout 3 uh specifically because it has a whole bunch of like old-timey 1940s music and i love 1940s music uh so that mine is definitely fallout 3 bioshock Uh, Bioshock kind of has that same. Bioshock has the same thing, but on the other aspect of like more of a score than a soundtrack, I would have. If we're going, if we're going soundtrack and not score, then there is no answer (laughs) except for Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Oh no! What about? Which has got the greatest soundtrack. Jam two. NBA Street (laughs) Volume two. It's NBA Street Volume two. Let's let's go with original soundtrack and not uh, not licensed soundtrack. Score, you know, whatever it is. Okay. But not licensed soundtrack because again, I'm sorry. Vice City came out with like an eight disc soundtrack box set. That's true. Um, That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, you, you can't really compare with like the greatest hits of the '80s all in one game. I, I would have to go if we were going straight score kind of thing. Uh, I would have to say Skyrim. Uh, Jeremy Soul. Jeremy Soul. Yes. Uh, I also enjoy the Nerd of Godcast theme song. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> That's not a video game, uh, but uh, it scored very Composed well. Composed by. Keith Stacy. Keith Stacy. <laughs> I really like the Halo Three score. I have the a. Bum, ba-dum, bah, bah, bah. <laughs> I love it. It just goes so intense with that little. Dum, I only awesome. ever played Halo Three. That was the only Halo game that I ever played. And I didn't play it enough clearly that the soundtrack became iconic to me, where I could just pick it out. But I have a video game theme song playlist on my Spotify, and every time it comes around to playing a Halo song, I always do enjoy it. Like, it's a really beautiful piece of music. Like, it's a really nice soundtrack. I like the the open, even, I like the the first two Halo soundtracks as well. Their scores are equally as fantastic. Another great thing I love about the Halo scores is the beginning is like the, uh, like the, 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 what is it, the, the, the monks? Yeah, the, the... The, ch- the Gregorian yeah, the chanting. Oh, it's so nice. Nice, very good, Tori. Uh, you you look like you are you're struggling with a massive internal conflict. I'm here. having a serious serious problem. Why? Right now? Are you narrowing it because down to a dozen? Pretty much. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wind Waker. Oh. Wind Waker was so good. <laughs> I love. So I love the Wind Waker soundtrack. Journey is so Journey good. Is so good. Journey, Kingdom Hearts is Journey. so good. Uh, uh. <laughs> who did who did Journey? Was that Austin Austin Wintry? Sure. Yes. Yep. In my oh, mind, everyone so, thinks scored by so Jeremy. <laughs> so, 
I, I have to uh, the soundtrack that I've been listening to a lot and I know I just mentioned it uh, Jessica Curry's uh, Everyone's Gone to the Rapture soundtrack mm-hmm. which oh. is a brilliant 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 soundtrack they even have uh, some of the songs on there um, are just chants of psalms from the Bible interesting very, very I cool. wanted to eerie. say that I just never played the game but I've heard it's the a, it's a, it's the soundtrack is, it blows my mind what it's do you guys wonderful. think about the Batman Arkham I, have, I, have I think they're good but I think they're very Hans Zimmer inspired yeah. so okay. they uh, the, the only one to me and I really like the Arkham soundtracks I'm not yeah. bad at it the only one to me that really stands out it was the soundtrack to uh, Arkham Origins yes because I really oh. like the Christmassy overtones yeah. to it oh, yeah. I'm really, I never really unique one. yeah it's I mean it's just a cool cool soundtrack but uh, they're all good but they're, I think they're, they're serviceably good but they're not like oh my goodness memorably good that's fair uh, especially because like Batman know. across media is already, is already known for having incredible impeccable oh, soundtracks oh, yeah. Skyward Sword was so good <laughs> so can we just all Zelda but not not necessarily not necessarily because uh, I'm just gonna leave it at that Some <laughs> somewhere somewhere markedly better just, I'm just gonna, yeah. Ori in the Blind Forest? Oh. <laughs> oh, you just made it go to a whole nother level. This is a really hard question for me. I like, I just, a dozen. <laughs> My top dozen. Uh, what about Animal Crossing? Is oh, that what See, I didn't want to mention that one, but it's also really good. But that's kind of like the thing you put in the background while you do your homework and stuff. I oh, also yeah. have to say that I want to throw into consideration the Sims soundtrack. <laughs> you know, I've gotten a lot of mileage out of that oh, Sims yeah. soundtrack. Specifically, really... the Sims Deluxe Edition. You know, I just love the Sims, the shopping music. I just yeah. want to have that little, you know, holiday for strings playing yes. in the background all the time. Uh, a couple game soundtracks that really come to my mind that are that are maybe not my favorite, but they're super unique so mm-hmm. that they, they stand out in my mind. I, I, I confess, I, I did something super dorky. Uh, when I was in Arizona, our, our first day kind of out there, we drove up into the, uh, the the canyon. We drove up to the mountainside, and you can overlook the Tucson Valley, and it's just this really, really awesome mountain pass, and you're, you're going up around these windy roads, and you're overlooking the whole... It's just wonderful and beautiful. And uh, as soon as we got up on the mountain road, and we're kind of taking those curves and going up and down... Um, man, I pulled out my phone and I started playing the Red Dead Redemption soundtrack. Yes. <laughs> I just That's did it. Was great just, I'm, I'm just driving up the road and it's all of a sudden, you know, and I'm like, oh my goodness, this just makes it perfect right now. Although um, I'm not a big fan of westerns themselves, I do like some good western music. Yeah, uh, I I think that um, the Last of Us soundtrack is uh-huh. so yeah, it's fantastic. It, it, it's it, it's not my You're favorite. Killing me, man. But it's so unique. Yeah. That it paints mm-hmm. a very uh, distinct and and unique like realistic picture uh, uh, for, of the game it kind of brings you into that place uh, a game that I really like that has a unique soundtrack and I think some of it is, is unique and some of it is licensed so it's sort of a, a hybrid thing uh, I really like the soundtrack to Little Big Planet a lot a lot yeah. it's extremely listenable mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. very 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 fun oh I really I, uh, like the, the sound I guess it's the soundtrack whatever it is to Minecraft Minecraft music yeah. is uh, C twenty three C fourteen C fourteen. It's very. I, I bought like the I, I, vinyl. My, my C was Canadian, so okay. different exchange rate. <laughs> it's very nice. Um, it's. I love. I don't know. I like both the alpha and the beta. My, my son They're asked good. me. He's like, can very we go to, Can we buy this on Bandcamp? And I, and I, I downloaded it for him. And uh, 
I'm not a big Minecraft fan, but man, I put that I put that on my the phone. Song I'm like, is, the I'm listening. Is it's, great. It's, very, yeah. it's very nice. And my my son is clever. I thought this was clever of him. It was a few years ago. He's young, but he <laughs> wanted it downloaded onto his phone so that when he was playing Minecraft uh, Pocket Edition, yes. that he could play it in the background because yep. Minecraft Pocket Edition didn't have the music on it. Well, even the go. Minecraft oh, clever boy for the for like desktop or whatever the charm would be doesn't you don't it doesn't play continuously. Oh it's really? Like, Every couple hours, you'll get maybe a minute's worth of song, then I'll stop. But it's so nice. So I usually pull it up on Spotify and just listen to it while I... Oh, your vinyl. I do. Well, <laughs> I didn't have it then. I stopped playing. Uh, another game that I really, really like the music to, but I, it, it stands out as being unique, especially because it's a game that's somewhat based on a movie, more or less based on a movie, so they could have gone back to that Alien Isolation or that Batman well and just try to emulate the sound of the movie, but they didn't. They brought a lot of uniqueness to it, was the um, the Shadow of Mordor, the, uh, mm-hmm. the, which was a really cool game with a really cool soundtrack, and they, they brought out a whole different element because it's much darker mm-hmm. than the Lord of the Rings soundtrack, and uh, I thought it was it was really good and unique. I'm not trying to go back to the licensed uh, pool, but just because they use the licensing in a creative way, I like. I think uh, I really like the Bioshock Infinite uh, mm. soundtrack. Mm-hmm. Uh, the uh, the different sort of barbershop, mm-hmm. yeah, you know, barbershop mm-hmm. quartet uh, of the uh, phonograph yeah, versions yes. of popular songs. Really, really yeah, that was fun. unique and creative. Yeah. Uh, so my favorite, and I don't know, do you guys kind of have your your favorites out there? Are you, Tori's still struggling. I, I gave my answer. I can't narrow it down any further <laughs> I mean, than that. I can't choose I, amongst my babies. Exactly. Like, I mean, I my, yeah, my, my favorites are out there, but there's some that I think are just iconic that are obvious, like, you know, Mario. Like, a lot of the original Nintendo games have very iconic soundtracks, mm-hmm. Mario, Donkey Kong, what have you. Yeah. Uh, but I personally, out of all those games, I really enjoy the uh, Super Mario World uh, soundtrack. Oh. I really like that. Mm. You know, it's it's upbeat and it's fun, but it's like uh, I hear people whistling stuff at work, and if they hit like a certain note that yep. matches that, my mind immediately goes to that, and I can't get it out of my head, and I'm not upset by it. There is a, a of all the Mario soundtracks, the one that I it's it's probably least likely to get stuck in my head because sometimes I'll find myself uh, I'll have to ask my son. I'll be like. I'm humming a Mario soundtrack. I, I did which, this which yesterday morning. <laughs> which what what game is this from? Okay, this is gonna be like the next eight minutes of this thing. Now I think it's Super Mario Brothers two. Okay, yeah. But you do you get it in your head and you're like, I know that's Mario, but what Mario is that right now? I'm trying to. Of course, you know. Yeah, so we all know. What kind of pants does Mario wear? Denim, denim, denim. That's my favorite joke. You're grounded. I'm trying to find. Okay, so okay, so Koji Kondo. Koji Kondo is like we all know. Oh yeah, love Koji Kondo. The inspiration for KK Slider. Yeah. He um. So we know. We are all well aware. He wrote most of the music for all the classic. Uh, Nintendo games. He, he, right up there with he, Miyamoto. he is the one of the very few composers that was able to find that sweet spot of like repetitive that you're not upset by. Right. Like I will put on dungeon music from Zelda games that and do homework and like oh, I'm not yeah. upset by it. Yeah. Like the Spirit Temple, I had on for probably three hours while mm-hmm. I did a project and it wasn't like I don't know what it is. Man's genius. But he found that, like, you get the song stuck in your head and you're not upset by it. Yes. Like, 
dudes and I just I think a great testament to that is how people can cover that in different styles Mm -hmm. like I can hear a heavy metal version of the Zelda theme song or I can hear a jazz version of the Metroid theme song or I can hear a a funky yeah like like a funky sort of slap of the bass version of the Super Mario Brothers theme song because the music Mm-hmm. actually is music mm-hmm. and yeah. it stands up uh, I think because I think not all video game music can do that because like Banjo-Kazooie music like I gotta stop it like alright that's really obnoxious now I need to stop <laughs> but like you never uh, that, do that that leads Kojikata's into another music. question that uh, that Keith asks he says uh, do you ever turn the music off on Crazy Taxi are you totally fine listening to The Offspring for hours on end <laughs> I don't like it I don't mind listening to The Offspring yeah. I've only played Crazy Taxi in the arcade in the yeah, arcade I've only, only played Crazy played Taxi it. in the foyer of Walmart <laughs> or, or at the uh, the dollar movie theater or old skating rinks. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. I have With never that, played. Oh, so, uh, but but as far as Super Mario Brothers games, the one that I think is a, is a great achievement musically is, uh, but but again, it's not a lot less iconic. Is the Super Mario Galaxy music? Mm. That's oh, that's yeah. a great soundtrack. I was yes. I was uh, had an opportunity uh, to take advantage of surround sound recently and. I actually originally put on Animal Crossing music, but it was a YouTube playlist and just kept going. And I found myself listening to a four-hour like, compilation, I think, of Mario Galaxy music. Yeah, and it's it was great like, music. the most relaxing, It's soothing. adventuresome like, and it was, like, it, it was very lovely. different feelings to it. <laughs> uh, if I had to really nail it down, though, and say what is my favorite video game soundtrack, now that we've been talking about this for like 45 minutes, right. <laughs> um, I, I got to go to uh, Nobuo Yumetsu Final Fantasy. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, I mean, and you got the whole series there. Yep. But uh, some of my, to, to me, my standout favorite. I, I like I like Final Fantasy X. My standout favorite, Final Fantasy VIII. Mm. That that's just my mm-hmm. jam. Now I like the iconic, like I like Eris's theme. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the Final Fantasy VII songs. But to me, mm-hmm. Final Fantasy VIII is my favorite Final Fantasy soundtrack. It's, it's incredible. So uh, I I bought all the different Final. They, they have piano arrangement albums. It's mm. just beautiful solo pianist uh, playing the Final Fantasy music. Wonderful, beautiful, amazing, amazing, amazing soundtracks. Did he write the music for Kingdom Hearts? I don't know if he did or not. I don't know how to spell his name. N-O-B-U-O. There he is. Okay. Alright, carry on. Another one that's very much along the same veins, which is one of my favorite, 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 favorite soundtracks is Chrono Trigger. Mm. Mm. Uh, or the opening soundtrack to mm. Chrono Cross, which if you never played, uh, we I played it for you guys when you came over to the house one night. Uh, we just went through and started busting out all my old PS One games, mm-hmm. and it's like here's Chrono Tro- Chrono Cross. You never have to play this game, but you do have to play the intro to this game just to hear this song under cerulean skies. Mm-hmm. Is that the one with, oh, well, that no, uh, Keith McNeese uses for uh, no. for Nintendo Thumb? No, that's Zelda. No, no, the the beginning of it. Ba, da, da, da. I, little I pitchy dog. No, that's Contra. Contra. He, wrote, he also wrote the music for Super Smash Bros. Brawl. Really? Mm-hmm. And Very Chrono cool. Trigger. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm learning. Me, I'm learning lots right now. For me, now. obviously, licensed soundtrack is NBA Street Volume Two. But then uh, I looked it up. Is Martin O'Donnell? He did all the Halo music. Okay. That's definitely that's the best oh, I think I've heard music. so far in my many adventures <laughs> as far as video gaming goes. Now, now uh, I'm looking down my Spotify playlist of all my different uh, video game soundtracks. I really like the Castlevania music. Ooh, uh, Symphony of the Night. Symphony of the Night. It's got a great soundtrack. Um, I, I think this is licensed, but the music from the game uh, Braid was really, mm. really oh, wonderful. Oh, yeah. Wonderful music. So, so really, there's a lot of great game music out there. If you're not, If you don't have a game music playlist... Uh, you need to go. You need to go get, get one, one right now. You need to get like Tony Talibert because he's got mo- like 
superhero movie music, which I would jam to any day, and then he's got video game music. Bro, you gotta have the right soundtrack for the right vibe, you know? Mm -hmm. My uh, Your music game is, is on fleek. Thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. It's on and one of, one of my favorite things now is that now that the PlayStation has the ability to play Spotify uh, like yes. while you're playing the games, oh, yeah. uh, it's been really awesome for me to kind of create my own custom soundtracks. And, and going back and just sort of wandering through uh, Gotham City in Arkham mm. Knight, uh, I've dropped the soundtrack from that game and created my own Batman soundtrack using my favorite Batman cuts from the different movies and whatnot. Oh, mm -hmm. And I've even created a Batman 1960s TV show oh, yeah, playlist you, you told us when that, I put yeah. on the the 60s Adam West costume oh, and I'll and I'll put and I'll That's run awesome. through uh, Gotham City. You know, da, 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 da. It's just <laughs> some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Do you try to time the punches with the bam? I, I'm not gonna lie, I do. <laughs> I mean, I would I would judge you if you didn't. One of the things, that, another one that I really really enjoyed, I, th I think I mentioned this was when I played Transformers Devastation. Mm. I dropped their mm -hmm. very generic kind of you know metal rock soundtrack, and I put in the Vince DiCola soundtrack from the 1986 Transformers yeah. movie, and I, I played a few like that. So I like. Uh, in fact, this probably needs to be the conversation for uh, a whole episode. We probably need to do a uh, a, a soundtrack game conversation thing. In fact, you know what we need to do? We need to invite Keith Stacy to come be on the show Yes. Uh, for this. So Keith, yes, you yes, have yes. formally been invited by the Nerd of Godcast crew to, to come and discuss game music with us. Please. Balls in your court, old man. Figure it out. All right. Uh, let's go through a couple other a couple other things. I'm going to skip some of his questions, which are ridiculous. Um, <laughs> if you're, you're on a desert Sorry. island with only a PlayStation 2, a copy of Silent Hill 2, a TV, a generator, and a Dance Dance Revolution floor pad controller, what do you do? I uh, no. exercise the Silent Hill game. No. <laughs> and then I... Uh, Try to use the pad to swim to safety. Yeah, I, I use the pad to create shelter. Yeah, it was gonna be like. Um, I use the uh, copy of Silent Hill 2 to try to reflect light to signal a passing plane. Or start a fire. And I use the <laughs> I, I take a handprint and put it on the face of my PlayStation 2 and name it Wilson. <laughs> or Sunny. That station. Sunny. Sony. Did you totally name oh, it Sunny? Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. My joke fell flat. Plus two. <laughs> um, he mentions a couple franchises that need to be revived, such as Medieval and Voodoo Vince. Speaking of Voodoo Vince, he asks, do we need more games set in the bayou of Louisiana? Yes. yes. <laughs> Why? Yes. Because Swap it's so weird. Uh, what was the one? Was it Infamous uh, 2? Yes. Infamous 2 was in New Marais, which was sort of a uh, Louisiana, New Orleans uh, knockoff version. Uh, it's a cool environment, and there's definitely a lot of cool characters and, and yeah. sort of lore. There's a lot of untouched potential there's voodoo, in the Louisiana there's, bayous. There's bayou, <laughs> there's, there's, there's the swamp folk. <laughs> Gators in general. I mean, no, just I have... offense just, to all of that, Tom. What? I think it's... No, no, not yours, oh. though. that gator. Shoot it! Shoot it! Home and what you make it. <laughs> I don't know that. Totally lost control. Is it, is, it the, is it the guy from the water boy? It is the guy from the water boy. Um, I, don't I know, think there's just, a lot of untapped creepy potential. Uh, yes. Yeah, there, there definitely is. You know what I mean? There, like, there, was a game, gators. there was a game that I remember from uh, as I was a kid, and I, I remember I even had the comic books, which were published by Archie Comics, called The Adventures of Bayou Billy. Oh, <laughs> Bayou Billy, I want you to imagine Billy Ray Cyrus, because that's, like, <laughs> that's sort of the vibe that you get, wearing like crocodile boots. And I'm Bayou Sandy. <laughs> Bayou Billy. What? What? <laughs> it's Miley Cyrus. Sandy? But I don't know, man. Why don't you go Miley? Because it's by you, Billy. <laughs>
It was an interesting concept for a game because half of the game was sort of a side-scrolling beat-em-up type game, and then in between those levels, they would switch over to a light gun game. So you'd have to play, uh, you know, moving left and beating, you know, moving from to left to right to beat everybody up, and then they would say, all right, now here comes the airboats, and here comes the, the crocodiles, and here comes the voodoo guys, I don't know, and you'd have to shoot them with the, the NES zapper. It was like it was going from Mario Brothers to Duck Hunt, like, like boom, 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 in between. And uh, it was it was an interesting game. They they did they, it spawned off like I said a comic book series and some other different things. I think they did two of them, um, but uh, it, interesting concept. I think that was a game from uh, I think Konami published mm. that. So Konami, bring back Bayou Billy. Yeah, man. Keith Stacy demands it. Uh, question number ten: <laughs> <laughs> Did you give up on Knights of the Old Republic before you finally got your lightsaber? Sure. Yes. I never played. It. I just <laughs> downloaded it for my iPhone. How is it? I gave up on, on it before I got my lightsaber. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> Wait, you can play it on the on the on the iPhone or iPad? Yeah, iPad, yeah. Is it free? No. 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 <laughs> oh, no. Never mind. <laughs> uh, good answers, good questions. Thank you guys. Keep those questions coming. We we did have some more that we won't be able to get to this episode, but uh, that was a fun little segment. Thank you for uh, being part of the mail call here on the Nerd of Godcast. Uh, a question that, that came a while ago that I, I thought was an interesting one to think about, and I, I sort of saved it for this moment, was uh, about superhero secret origins. What superhero do you think has the coolest secret origin? What superhero do you think has the stupidest secret origin? Uh, we talked a little bit earlier about uh, you know some of the more scientific, maybe Marvel Universe characters that have more kind of grounded in reality, uh, air quote reality stories. Uh, what characters do you think of that, man, that's a really cool, that's a cool origin. That's like a cool way to get superpowers. Or which ones do you go, yeah, it's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, I'd have to say uh, The Amazing Spider-Man. Specifically, uh, like, Ultimate Spider-Man in the movie, Universe Spider-Man. Because I do like how they change it from just, like, a radiated spider to a genetically modified spider. Because uh, they made it a little bit even more scientifically, but more believable mm-hmm. than a, a spider, you know, goes down and goes between two radiation, you know, beams and then it becomes irradiated and bites Spider-Man. Um, but I, I like more so that he has to adjust to it mm-hmm. uh, and, and that he originally is selfish with his powers. Like he wants to, like specifically in the movies, uh, uh, the Tobey Maguire ones. Uh, he wants to use it for financial gain so that way he can get the car so he can get the girl yeah. and, and all that yeah. stuff. But then because of his own folly, he has to he realizes that he needs to be a hero because of his mistake. He doesn't he wants to, to almost write that almost like not a vengeance like Batman, mm-hmm. but more a uh, I see what I did was wrong and now I know what to do. And I really enjoy that his origin specifically and then for a kind of a stupid one and it's not really stupid but it's the one that comes to mind and it's almost like blasphemy for me is uh thor uh but more so like the comic version of dr donald blake finding this stick and then it turns him into thor oh, <laughs> like he yeah, gets the powers of thor because his stick is secretly mjolnir mm-hmm. uh I, I like i i i care for the ultimate version of that better where he's he's more so like the movies he is just Thor and just gets sent to Earth, mm-hmm. rather than this guy finds a stick and becomes Thor. Okay, I'm kind of biased. I just really, I just Iron Man is my favorite. I thought I loved watching that develop, and I think the interesting insight you have into Tony Stark's like, like the way he thinks everything out, and you see him fail a bunch of times, and he's dying, and he has to keep fixing the yeah. 
don't remember what it's called, the thing in his chest. And, like, you know, he's always... Reactor. Yeah, the arc reactor. And he's, he's coming to all these conclusions. And it's definitely one that he... Like, his origin story, he built himself. He didn't, like, come across something. And now he's a superhero. He, like, had to build everything. And I thought that was uh, refreshing and unique. You know, I like that. Mm-hmm. Kind of like how, how Bruce Wayne did his, but obviously, like, a different track. But, and of course, Bruce Wayne is always... You can't go wrong with Batman. Batman. Can't go wrong with Batman. You just can't. Absolutely. Although, as far as weird stories go, Elo O'Brien is a weird one. Otherwise known as Plastic Man. Uh, He was a a criminal, a a thief, and he ends up getting shot during one of the the heists with his gang member buddies, and the chemicals end up in in the... gunshot wound. It's always chemicals. And then he ends up in like a monastery. Say no to drugs, kids. This is the OG Plastic Man, the original one. But um, yeah, he ends up in like a, mo- a monastery with a monk or whatever and he ends up finding powers and stuff. And that he's just got plastic and rubber abilities. There was a there was a character from the, I think the 1960s. What was it? The Legion of Superheroes? They were, they were sort of like a Justice League thing, but they were like in the 30th century, and Superboy was their leader. It was a, a really strange deal, but they were all futuristic versions of the Justice League. And uh, the, But this was an older comic. There was a, a kid in, the, in their ranks named, I think it was Bouncing Boy. And he was, yeah, it, it, he was just like a a kid that was shaped like a ball, and he could bounce. That's unfortunate. Yeah, it was a really dumb, dumb character idea. But basically, the idea for Bouncing Boy was something like he was given uh, this formula, this like super elasto formula or something like that, to deliver to the science council, and you know, don't screw this up. So of course, he's going to deliver to the science council. But a funny thing happened on the way to the science council. He saw like these like robot gladiator fighting it was you know hey come see the robot gladiator fighting step right up enjoy you know popcorn cold soda hot dogs so this fat kid that's trying to deliver this chemical to these scientists like sits down and like tries to watch this gladiator robot fight and uh gets confused on which bottle has his soda pop in it and drinks the super elasto formula you know and turns into a human super ball that's a pretty stupid secret yeah, origin. Kind of, yeah. kind of Another one I, I watched um, the the I started watching the show Flash, uh, which I hadn't watched at all, and I, I'm reminded the Flash has a pretty stupid origin. Yeah, what like, is his origin? I got struck by lightning while standing near some chemicals. Yeah, now I, mean, I can run fast. Now I, I'm fast. I, I mean, they, they go into a little bit deeper in some of the comic books of to like it wasn't an accident. It actually, you know, it was kind of planned or caused. Well, that well, let's go. Let's go back to this then. If you want to go into some comic book secret ordinance, I remember when they went back a few years ago and decided that Spider-Man did not get his powers on accident, but that he was a representation of some totemic spider spirit that sought out a war... Yeah, you're making the face that's perfectly appropriate for that. That Peter Parker was sought out and had, like, this latent spider spirit animal within him or some nonsense and garbage. I liked Wolverine's backstory, his origin The story. Weapon X deal? Yeah, I thought it was oh, cool. That's a good one. I liked that. Well, that's a... Uh, Wolverine... That that kind of being, uh, he's got a, a unique story aside. Even the whole deal with how the mutants get their powers, yeah. they're just kind of born with them. That was a, a lazy cop-out thing. I think that Stan Lee's even said as much that, yeah, we just decided we're going to make them mutants because that way we won't have to give them all their individual story arcs. <laughs> they we just won't have are. To give them, they just they have powers because they were born that way. Yeah, that's the ticket. And I think that's a... 
it, it created a unique paradigm for the comics, but it was probably a fairly lazy way mm-hmm. to uh, to continue going. I wasn't I wasn't mad when when Scarlet Witch wiped out all the mutants except for like ten. <laughs> well, I can I can say even with a biased mind that Green Lantern kind of has a a, a kind of lazy. Like origin, yeah. Where they just get oh, Abin Sur, he died. I need to find somebody who's kind of brave. Who's it's kinda... uh, which is basically the Power Rangers uh, but... power origin too, isn't it? <laughs> yes. I need some teenagers with, with an attitude. attitude. But on the flip side, my second favorite superhero, Static Shock, he has a. Re- I think he has a very interesting um, backstory where he ends up in the wrong place at the wrong time, where he ends up at this big gang fight because he's trying to get revenge on this bully or whatever, and then they end up using some experimental tear gas. That kills a bunch of the the gang members that are there at this big gang fight, but also gives them superpowers. I just find that like very interesting because he's, I mean he's he's an inner city kid just trying to deal with like his own problems, and then he he just gets superpowers based off of a, one of those problems. Mm. Thought that was a very mm-hmm. interesting take on on how people how a superhero gets his powers. From the same vein as Static Shock, Static Shock I think that uh, I like the Terry McGinnis Batman Beyond. Uh, mm. Secret Origin. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, yeah. that was a good yeah. one. Kind of neat, you know. They brought in the the Batman angle there. I loved that. I that loved that cool. show as a kid. That was yeah, it was one of my favorites. Yeah. I loved Batman Beyond. Well, like, what's the significance of an origin story? What's something that you go, oh, well, that's that, that develops or that shows? Like with Tony Stark, uh, you know, he's on this path of kind of destruction, and yeah. and he finds himself the victim of his own destructive. I would, I would think that would go back to the difference between the storytelling things. I think an origin story is important because it tells you about the personality, like what they do with the powers they have or how they what what situations they're in to get them. And like I think that's maybe... David maybe, Banner, for example, like that kind of... That might be why Spider-Man is so popular because yeah. you yes. see this kid mm-hmm. and his entire... He, he, he goes from being the 90-pound weakling to being the superpower hero that has to control himself because he's yeah. overcome with the burden of responsibility so it's I, I have power but I have guilt mm-hmm. and uh, how does a kid rationalize that right and stay heroic in the yeah. middle of it I think mm-hmm. uh, characters like Raven for example she doesn't have she was I'm pretty sure she was just born with it but I think she her has father like, is like the, the son of the, like, the, the king of the demons he's kind Tryon, of Satan or something yeah, something like but, that yeah so she was born into it but her like so she doesn't necessarily have like a, a coming of age sort of thing, whatever. But well, she's um, got some daddy issues, right? Yeah, she that's, but that's like, but that's not she's how like she Marceline got her. She's like from Adventure Time, exactly. But that's not how she like her powers weren't bestowed upon her. She got them anyway. But like her, the history with her dad and how that affects everything is like that defines who she is and that sort of. I think an origin story is important because it tells a story of the character as a person. When Instead of just as a superpowered thing. When they're rebooting the the Spider-Man franchise through the Civil War and into the next Spider-Man movie, uh, it's it's pretty much implied and understood that they're not going to retell the origin story of Spider-Man. That they're going to just sort of jump into he exists in this world, and they've already sort of set the stage for that in in Ant-Man. Spoiler alert. Uh, oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah. So so <laughs> Spider-Man exists, and they don't really need to have him bitten by a spider again. Is that okay, or do we miss out on a key part of the experience? Does a reboot need to reboot the basic elements, uh, or can you just kind of start with the ball already rolling? I, I think uh, with Spider-Man, they have a little bit of uh, of a uh, blanket of most everybody knowing 
uh, even people that aren't, aren't really in the comic books kind of know that. But you can you don't have to give the origin story. You could almost do it in a in not a dismissive way, but almost do it like a he can kind of like something like you know how this happened. He goes you know, uh, you know he can kind of almost explain it. And and not have to go into the details of Uncle Ben unless they do like a you know a Spider Man movie what have you they can almost do it not through flashback but do it like kind of almost do it in a you know remembering kind of way than having a whole movie where the first act is just him getting his powers. But is it necessary? Is it is it necessary? I'll give you another example in Batman versus Superman. They've got Thomas and Martha Wayne cast. Do we need to see? Bruce Wayne's parents get shot again. Do we, do we need do we need to see them no. get shot? I mean, how many times do we have to watch this poor couple get murdered in every incarnation of Batman? It just always goes back to that. How many times do we have to watch Uncle Ben die? Same well, thing. But you've made the point earlier about um was it Only if it's germane to the story cuz you found out that it was secretly Sandman that did it. <laughs> yeah, that was stupid. Mm-hmm. Um, Man of Steel, though, you, you explained or described that that because they didn't have that, you didn't feel anything for Superman. Did I hear uh, that correctly? To, to some like degree, different... I think we should have felt more. Okay. for Superman. Well, but I think that I think that in I guess this is a different, obviously different animal sort of thing. But like in the um, Dark Knight trilogy, for example, the Joker didn't have a backstory. He was already the Joker, and Catwoman didn't have a backstory, did she? No, she uh, didn't. a little did bit. She, they they she? they kind of implied that she had a, tr- a troubled past. Yes. Okay. That she was but trying like, to get out from. The her point head. was, they were already existing as their own like uh, entities. Their own. They were already bad. Or Joker specifically was already evil, and you didn't need to explain his backstory to be scared of him or you know whatever. And I think that was the way that particular aspect was handled, I thought, worked. Uh, but in those movies, to, to your point, we learn Bane's backstory loosely, yeah. but in a way of misdirection. And we finally figure out who Bane is. Mm-hmm. It's only to pull back the curtain on the real enemy. Mm-hmm. Uh, likewise, I think it added a lot more to the character of Two-Face to make us care for him because mm-hmm. he wasn't just some scarred thug. They gave us all of the Harvey Dent mm-hmm. backstory. We cared about that character right. so that by the time he was turned... You're going, oh, well, now what happens to him matters not yeah. only to the story, but mm-hmm. also because we care about this this guy. Zack Snyder, when he, or I guess we assume that uh, when he was making the movie that he figured that you would know more about Superman. So that's why that's why you care is because you already know about Superman. So that's that's sloppy and that, that's shortcuts, yeah. in, my, in my opinion. Maybe it would be a little unsafe to not do something to show a little bit of backstory for Spider-Man just just to be safe so it doesn't end up like that Man of Steel mm-hmm. problem. I mean, you don't ha- obviously you don't have to put a lot of time into it unless you're making a whole movie in which you can do it in flashbacks or what like like cuz we do know the story. We've we just had the the Spider-Man franchise just ended. So, it's not like it's not fresh in our minds, but at the same time if we, if you're gonna do it now, you could do it in flashbacks. You don't have to have it all like for a whole big old segment anymore because we know it so well. I don't know. Uh, I think that the flashbacks can also be a little bit of shortcut storytelling as well. Uh, it, it's a it's a difficult balance to strike. You always mm-hmm. have to assume that every every time a movie comes out, it's going to be somebody's first time watching that movie. Uh, and and I think that's you know you, that's what the the problem that Zack Snyder ran into is he he made a lot of assumptions on what we kind of knew and understood about Superman, uh, but but that that being said, if we're creating a new character 
if we're creating a brand new uh, intellectual property that nobody's ever seen before, how important is it for us to communicate and to portray and to illustrate the backstory of our character? Is is an origin story an essential part of caring for and relating to and understanding a, a new character? Well, I, I think so. When you like when they introduce new characters into into universes or new villains or new well, maybe not new villains, but new heroes into certain universes, they usually end up having backstories later on if they survive to be in later on, or even if they don't survive. Like um, the Punisher, when he showed up in uh, Spider-Man, you know, he later, they gave him a backstory later on and a whole, you know, a whole reason to start, you know, wanting to care about this guy, even though didn't, I'm pretty sure he started off as a villain. Or, and then he became, after you learned about his whole backstory, you know, you start to care about him and realize where he's coming character. from. Sure. A lot of those early uh, Marvel characters, they would appear in a comic, whether it be like a little one shot in, in a, like an amazing fantasy or journey, uh, or in journey into mystery. And then they would get their origin in either, and usually in their uh, they're the one shots or they're the issue one. I mean, they, they, they do, they get you in with, Hey, look at this cool guy. And then we're going to explain it to you. So they could do that with, uh, Captain America. They could have him, uh, Spider-Man be in there and then give him his own movie where they show you why you need to care about this. Like guy. Wolverine and Hulk. Yeah. You first see Wolverine and Hulk and then yeah. they give him his own thing. I think that would depend entirely on who the character is as a quote unquote person, because I think that adds, some uniqueness if you just jump right in and they're already doing something but you would it would definitely have to be written right for lack of a you know some people some characters because if you're gonna write a character you should kind of to an extent treat it like its own person then you know how is this the kind of person that readers or watchers or audiences will relate to better if they know the origin story or is that kind of something that doesn't matter are they the kind of character that you can just jump in and it's you know you're right there with them and but it would depend I think it would depend on the writing let's talk about some writing that uh, might take a little bit of a different spin on the same question Jesus uh, aside from our personal relationship with him aside from him being the cornerstone of our faith Jesus is is one of the most captivating and dominating figures of literature uh, even if you just want to look at the Bible and, and the history uh, history of that in in such a way and his story starts out with his birth. It's Christmas time. It's the Christmas season right now. So we, we see a lot of Jesus in the manger and we think about the shepherds coming in the star and the whole deal. Um, isn't that, in a manner of speaking, Jesus's origin story? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Uh, I mean, and, and it's, you know, we can have just this guy that kind of walks out of the wilderness and says, you know, follow me and, and we'll mm-hmm. make you fishers of men. We could have this guy that just sort of appears uh, at, at the synagogue and says, you know, I've come to preach, uh, you know, good news to, and, and, and say all this kind of stuff. But the story of Jesus begins in a very, very different way. It actually begins before Jesus is born or, you know, it brought into the world uh, in, in the relationship with his mom, with God. And it shows his mom and it shows her faithfulness and it shows, you know, Mary's interaction with the angel and the promise that God had given. And, and now we know, and, and the people, the readers of that would have known and historians, you can look back and see all of the, the strands that lead back into the old Testament and all the promises through the, the prophets and the law and, and the shadows and the types that we see in the old Testament. But 
As far as the story of Jesus, it begins with him being born in a very special way. Uh, it identifies uh, who he is in, in the time and the place that he lives. It identifies the kind of life that he's going to live here on earth, but it also identifies uh, that there's something unique about him, that he is uh, equal parts God and man, that he's mm -hmm. fully God and fully man based on his uh, divine and terrestrial origins. Uh, it shows that he's going to be living as and among uh, normal people. Mm -hmm. um, it shows that he's going to be trained and brought up and, and learn and, and the Bible says grow in favor with God and man. That We're going to see him in the, in the temple, in the synagogues, asking questions to the leaders, uh, which in, some might interpret that because the, the Jewish rabbis would teach in a format that was, uh, they would teach by asking questions. Mm. So by asking questions, it doesn't mean that he was being inquisitive. Uh, it may actually mean that he was quizzing yeah. the, uh, right. the temple leaders there. So we see Jesus's origin. We see yeah. him as a baby. We see his parents protecting him from a genocidal maniac uh, who is mm -hmm. endeavoring to wipe him out to maintain control and fame. So we, we see the precursors and the road to his ministry in his very, very humble beginnings. You know, we see the, this king that beguiles an entire world by not showing up uh, in, in a white horse or with a procession or like he's Prince Ali Ababwa. <laughs> but we see uh, a humble king who lowers himself down to our level, to humanity's level. And before Jesus ever does the first miracle, before he ever preaches the first uh, sermon, before he ever teaches with the first parable, we know a lot about the character and the person of Jesus simply in the fact of how he arrives in our world. And I think it's a very potent and very powerful secret origin. We learn a lot about Peter Parker, uh, you know, based on, hey, he's a science nerd. Hey, he's kind of the low man on the totem pole. Hey, he has to rely on his, his cleverness to, to get by because he certainly doesn't have the strength to get by. You know, and we, we learn about these characters. And I think that what that's what helps us to treasure them and to relate to them. Mm -hmm. And in, in God, in Jesus, we don't see this, here's this perfect man up high on the mountain that, that we should all just somehow be afraid of. But we see someone who comes down and, and, and walks with us and lives as one of us. Uh, it makes Jesus, to me, uh, although he is the, the loftiest of concepts, uh, it also makes him extremely approachable. That he did not uh, limit himself to somehow the elite, mm -hmm. but it was the common and everyday person. It was the, the mundane pedestrian people. It was the bystanders and the NPCs that seemed to captivate most of his time and most of his energy. And uh, I, I just think that's a wonderful thing. And, uh, and because it's Christmas time, I think it's very prudent for us to think about that and to remember that. When you see the manger, um, it's like you're seeing the origin. Mm -hmm. when, when you hear of the angel talking to Mary, uh, not only is it a biblical promise, it's, it's the setup for what is truthfully the greatest story ever told. Oh, I was going to say. I think one of the biggest parts about the, the birth of Jesus is the uh, immaculate conception of him. I thought that I think that's one of the things that really sets his birth apart is that he was born of a virgin. I think that's a really like obviously that doesn't happen to everybody else because to anybody else and to anybody else exactly. So I think that's a, one big thing that already 
sets him apart when he's born. He's already set apart from everybody else. At the same time, though, being born like everybody else. Hmm. Um, I, I don't know if this is jumping too far ahead, but especially with what you just said, I did have a scripture uh, come to mind that I always I always think about when it comes to like. Uh, maybe not, I mean relating to Jesus mm-hmm. and realizing that he's not just a character he's not just something that we read about uh, but he he's real uh, and it's in Philippians 2 and uh, Paul says who meaning Jesus though he was in the form of God did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even a death on a cross and i think that just really speaks that you know jesus could have uh done anything but he decided to come down and be and be one of us uh, in order to save us well said well i uh, i think that that's something to think about so kind of answering our last question and and segueing into uh, a, a whole new topic i think that was a, a good conversation and and one worth having so uh, Merry Christmas, everybody. We uh, will still be recording. We're going to be going to see Star Wars this Friday. Afterwards, Ooh, we'll yeah. probably sit down and chat about it. I don't know the extent, whether we'll do a full episode or just kind of a, a, a quick talk, maybe review first impressions about it, and uh, and then look out for some more stuff, both on our blog and on air. Uh, so that's uh, that kind of brings us to the end of a very special Nerd of Godcast, episode 10. Episode Woo! X. Yeah. The... Uh, the the x and uh you know it's just been it's been a really good time again i just wanted to say thank you so much to to you guys steve-o neff and tori for everything that you guys do to uh to to make this this show a lot of fun to do and fun to listen to i uh, hope that you guys have a great and wonderful christmas season uh that you get all the toys that you want and uh that you you have a lot of fun and merriment i assume tori you are going to be going back to new jersey shortly i'm gonna turn 22 tori tori's birthday is on christmas day it's her birthmas day so happy birthday jesus and tori (laughs) for unto us a child is born (laughs) and unto us a tomato is given (laughs) what yes i am going home (laughs) yes i am we hope that you find it in your heart to come back oh yes i know that with these with these jokers i mean you'll you'll miss every minute of it i'm so sorry tori please don't leave a mic out don't leave us very good well we love you guys thank you so much for listening again don't forget to uh check us out online email us at nerdofgodcast at gmail.com follow us on twitter instagram or facebook uh for the nerd of godcast producer steve-o See you, everybody. The lovely Tory line. Good night. Quentin Gregory Neff. Adios, amigos. My name is Tony T. Until next time, we ain't got to go home. But we can't stay here. Peace out. Does your butt like suddenly have an urgency to this move? Chair hurts. Like it go- I know, but what it goes like. Do t- but it's not even week. just like I'm waiting for a pause. It's just like nine one one. My tush needs attention immediately. It's <laughs> <laughs> gonna be a four hour show. I'm very soft tush. <laughs> All right, just go back with your John Williams. Okay. No, I I'm done with that. All right. <laughs>